When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Things have changed <laughs> from me, Sid Rosenberg. Queensryche, there's silent lucidity on your Monday morning. Welcome back to the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York, the self-proclaimed best talk show in the country, and that's us. Here's how things have changed for Sid Rosenberg. some point today, Lewis, I'm going to give you my schedule for the next two weeks. I know none of you, well, I shouldn't say that, actually, I get stopped all the time. People love my my uh, stories about my personal life. And my next two weeks, <laughs> just brutal. But here's how things have uh, changed for me. Louis, Macedonia, Phil, Justin Ellick, and the millions listening around the world early on this Monday morning. It's about 3.40 yesterday afternoon. It's a Sunday, of course. And the Jets, I'm not a Jet fan. I'm a Giants fan. Giants have a 6-2 and two record. They had that week off this week. And they've got two very winnable football games coming up with Detroit, who beat Green Bay yesterday because Aaron Rodgers, who just signed a brand-new deal, is completely washed up. But they're still a terrible team, Detroit. And Houston coming up. So the Giants are facing the real possibility of being 8-2, and two, which is going to have to be inside a division where the Eagles are still the only unbeaten team in the NFL at 8-0. Anyway, so the Jets are playing, and they're playing the Buffalo Bills. I'm not a Jet fan, but I... Follow sports, obviously. We talk about sports on this show. You cannot be, you cannot be a big-time talk show, especially mornings in New York, and not talk sports. You go back to the Imus show, Lou, and really some of his most memorable segments were with his sports guys, whether it's me, Mike Breen, Warner Wolf, John Minko, Chris Russo, Mike Francesa, Minko, yeah. The list goes on and on. I mean, Imus would spend some days, he would spend 30 minutes an hour talking sports. 
just can't do without it. That's the bottom line. You want to be a political show, which we are, that's fine. But if you're doing mornings in New York, you got to do sports. And I'm a sports guy by nature anyway, and I'm great at it. So it comes easy. So I'm not a Jet fan, but the Jets are playing the Bills, and I can't believe what I'm watching, but the Jets have a chance to win. The Jets. I mean, the Jets have been pathetic forever. Sorry, Joan Olin, they just have. And last week they were awful in the loss to the Patriots, and now they've got a chance to beat a team that came in outside the Eagles as the hottest team in the NFL, 6-1 and one atop the AFC East, and a team that a lot of people think are the best team in football, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. But it's 3.40 yesterday afternoon, and I made a commitment to my friend Dove Hyken, the king of the Jews, Dove Hyken, and Inna Vernikov, who's this um, you know, cute assemblywoman there in, in Brooklyn, or my neighborhood, Sheepshead Bay, Gravesend, Midwood, the whole thing. I made a commitment to them a couple days ago that I would join them in Marine Park right there on Avenue U in Brooklyn for a Lee Zeldin rally late Sunday afternoon. So my guy comes from uh, Rocapoco Car Service, and the Jets are literally driving down for the potential game-winning score in this unbelievable upset. Jets were 11-point dogs yesterday. Again, the Bills at one point led 14-3, to hottest team. Other games going on as well, big games, Minnesota, Washington. The Vikings win again. They improved to 7-1. Point being, this is crunch time. Heading towards 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, all these big games coming down to the wire. And I'm in a car service. How about this? Not only in a car service, but at some point, Lewis, when you make the turn on Avenue U and Flappish Avenue and head past, like, the old King's Plaza diner area, there's no cell service. So now I can't even see what's going on in these games. And sure enough, about 10 to 4, I pull up. And I see about, I don't know, 100 people in Marine Park wearing Lee Zeldin shirts, American flags, a lot of religious Jews, by the way, a lot of religious Jews. I see cars draped in Zeldin, Esposito, Trump 2024 American flags, and this one big truck. And on top of the truck is a microphone, and I see standing there Dove Hykend, Ina Vernikoff, and some other Brooklyn politicians, I guess. I know who these other people were. And I get out of the car, and I hop up on this, almost fell, by the way, hop up on this truck to find out that wherever we were standing, there is no cell service. So Hyken is speaking, these other folks are speaking, and I have no idea whether the Jets actually beat the Bills, whether the Vikings actually beat the Commanders, and I have no way of finding out. <laughs> so finally I get a chance to speak. And it was very, very good. You know, the crowd is all pumped up. Lee Zeldin chanting, Zeldin, 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 Zeldin. And I make my way across the street after taking pictures for about 15 minutes because I am very famous. And I look particularly good yesterday like I do today, yellow shirt, blue jacket, the whole thing. And then I finally get the scores at about 4.20. And then I head home to watch the, uh, you know, the Rams and the Buccaneers and the Cardinals, who they play yesterday, they lost to the Seahawks. By the way, that Ram Buccaneer game, that Tom Brady comeback, just miraculous. And who did that game? The velvet voice of CBS, the man who does the college basketball final, though he's pulled out of that after this year. The Masters and a lot of Super Bowls for CBS. The great Jim Nance, he will join me today on this show coming up at 940.
I know you love Nance. I'm I'm just tired right now. Listen, oh my God. I know. You just went 100 miles an hour. I'm, I'm not even, I haven't even started yet, Lewis. I haven't even started. So I got home and I had dinner and I watched these games and Nance will come on today. But the point is, I mean, for Sid Rosenberg to leave my house on a football Sunday at the very end of the 1 o'clock games with these dramatic and exciting finishes, to be at a political rally in Brooklyn is something, I don't know, five years ago, ten years ago, I would have said you were nuts. But this, Louis Macedonia, this is the evolution of Sid Rosenberg. You're watching it right now, Phil. Right. Evolution scale. Yeah. You never would have gone out on a football Sunday. So now tomorrow night, it gets even worse. Because tomorrow, of course, is election day. And I'm going to bring in a Republican and a Democrat to sit beside me. But I'm not bringing in a Democrat who's like a real Democrat. Like somebody who's impossible. Because I hate Democrats, you know. But I, I find Laura Curran to be somewhere in the middle. She's, um, she's an open-minded Democrat, if you will. She won't admit this on the air, but she's voting for Lee Zeldin. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, so I'm going to have her and Andrew Giuliani in studio tomorrow. One on my right, probably Andrew, because, well, he's a Republican. One on my left, probably Curran. <laughs> but then tomorrow night, of course, I've been invited to uh, stand by Lee Zeldin. I'm not sure I can tell everybody where the, the, uh, the big party is, which I'm hoping is a big party and not a concession speech for that witch Kathy Hochul, but it starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night in Midtown Manhattan. And, of course, Danielle is invited. So now we're considering getting a hotel room in New York City tomorrow night because I may be with Lee Zeldin until midnight. I don't know. Who the hell knows? And then back here, of course, at 5 o'clock on Wednesday morning. Are you listening to all this? I, I haven't stopped listening, but my head is spinning. Just, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what the hell you... Oh, we're not done yet. So then... You're going to have a place in the cabinet for him? <laughs> I, mean, I no. should. If Lee Zeldin wins, I don't want to hear about Curtis. I don't want to hear about Rudy. I don't want to hear about any of these people. If he wins, I'm the guy that got it done. So Thursday, and this, this one, I'm still not sure is going to happen. But Thursday night this week is supposed to be... The Sid Rosenberg, Mayor Eric Adams dinner. And if I tell you I get a text every day from Curtis Lewa, don't go. Don't go. This one said don't go. That one said don't go. This one said don't go. Thursday night, Brooklyn, dinner, Sid Rosenberg, Mayor Eric Adams. I'll ask both of you guys. Start with you, Lewis. Yes, three nights away, three days away, three nights away. Does Mayor Mayor Eric Adams keep the dinner date, or does it get canceled before Thursday? Lou, your opinion. Canceled. So you think Mayor Eric Adams is going to cancel? He'd have to be nuts, because I'll kill him. Why, he's canceled on all these other things. Not on me. Okay, he's canceled. You say canceled, okay. Uh, Macedonia Phil. Thursday night, Mayor Eric Adams, yes or no? I think there's a better chance we go out for dinner than you and Eric Adams. All right, so you both say cancel. He's going to cancel. All right, we'll see. That's not, that's not done yet. Friday, <laughs> Friday is Veterans Day, which is a huge day, and I would hope that all Americans take their time out and pay homage to the brave men and women putting their lives on the line every day to protect your freedoms. 
So you can watch the Jets play the Bills in a stupid football game. Well, tonight the Saints play the Ravens or the Astros beating the Phillies to win the World Series. As they always say, there's some kid in a cave in Afghanistan with a gun right now. Fearing he'll never get home. So you can do all those things. And we've lost so many beautiful people in the history of this country. Friday is Veterans Day. So I've been, as you know, bestowed the honor by the Vietnam group, the Vietnam USA group, to ride on a jeep or their float at the Veterans Day Parade and then take part in a special dinner in New York City. That's Friday. Lewis, we're still on this week, by the way, just so you know. It? I, I, I have it written down. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm going to apply to be your uh, stud. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. You want me to go to next week, Lou? No, no. I will tell yes. you this without getting specific. Next week, this week again, tomorrow night, the Lee Zeldin party. Thursday, the possible dinner with Eric Adams. Friday, Veterans Day. What if I said to you, Lou and Phil, next week, Republican Club, East Side Monday. Republican Club, West Side Tuesday. Teddy Atlas Foundation annual dinner, Staten Island Thursday. And then a surprise birthday party in Queens on a Friday. That's next week. Who's the, who's the party for? I, it's a surprise. Oh. I think I just blew it as it is. Yeah, probably. doesn't matter anymore. I'm tired, bro. But I have Are to do all these things. I have to. Pivot and shift. What's that? <laughs> Are we going to have to continue to pivot and shift? Leave him alone. God. It's not going to happen. What are you? Of course it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to look really bad. I mean, you know, I say this all the time. Because people say, well, why, why would Eric Adams care what you think? And why would he want to have dinner with you? And my answer is very simple. The last thing you want, this is the number one talk show in New York, okay? We have a lot of listeners, a lot. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how much self-esteem you've got. I don't care how much confidence you've got. The last thing you want is some wacky, crazy, loudmouth Jew from Brooklyn spending four hours every morning on a legendary radio station drive time in New York City kicking your ass. That's the last thing you want. So when you ask the question, why would Mayor Eric Adams meet me for dinner, there's your answer. And you know, Lou, all those years with Imus, everybody said the same thing. They, the last thing they wanted was to wake up in the morning and put the radio on or TV or get a text from somebody else. Imus is kicking your ass again. You same can, thing here. You better listen. You better listen. You better be there on Thursday night. No, so. there's no way he wants to hear you as a lunatic just, just <laughs> go screaming without any filter. Right, exactly. There's Are no we way. playing every time he F's up a word, which no. you do now? Yeah, I don't think. But still going to cancel. All right. Still we'll sick. See. It has we'll nothing see. to do we'll with see. him. Right. Not. Okay. We'll I just, see. That's my, just my, I'm going with my gut. Hey, listen, I'm not disagreeing with you. I asked you that question because it's certainly a possibility I still think he goes because it would be stupid not to, really stupid. But I'm not disagreeing with either one of you two guys. So, anyway, we've got a huge show coming up today. That's my schedule. <clears throat> and if I survive it, it'll all be good. Uh, coming up on this program today at 640, he's a dear, dear friend of mine, a close personal family friend. His brother, Mike, of course, been in a car for 100 years. Tom Sullivan, and he's running for assembly in District 23 in Queens. The man fought in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Kuwait and dragged bodies out of the burning building, the World Trade Center on 9-11. Tom Sullivan, a true American hero, set to join me at 640. Staying in the same neighborhood at 725, my friend Paul King, he is running for a House seat up against Gregory Meeks. And that is New York's fifth 
Congressional District in Queens. Paul King set to join me at 725, our weekly Monday morning conversation with the editor of the National Review. He's always great, Rich Lowry, coming up at 740. That one-two punch I mentioned already this morning of Dove Hykend and Ina Vernikov coming up at 840, talking about Lee Zeldin. And then, of course, at 940, as I mentioned, the golden voice of CBS Sports, really one of the great play-by-play guys in the history of sports, the Masters, the Super Bowl, college basketball finals, Jim Nance here at 940. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. A bunch of guests stopping by all week long. Lee Zeldin will actually call in tomorrow on the way to vote for himself in a race that, of course, we need him to win. Of all the races, that's the guy we really need to win. And then a lot of talking from Donald Trump this weekend, including a huge shot at Ron DeSantis right there in Miami. We've got it all for you. Going to be a very exciting Monday show packed with guests, politics, news, sports, pop culture. This is the place to be with me, Sid, on a Monday morning on Talk Radio 77, WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Patrick Maloney, who says, hey, folks that are struggling with inflation, eat some Chef Boyardee and shut up. Swear to God, that's what he said. Sean Patrick Maloney and a bunch of you morons out there are going to vote for him. Shut up and eat some Chef Boyardee. That was his quote. (laughs) This is unbelievable. And Joe Biden, the president, no more drilling. Right now, gas prices on average $3.19. That's progress. What's wrong with that, folks? Lewis, Justin, what's wrong with the president saying the average price of gasoline is $3.19? You know what's wrong with that? 
It's not true. The average price of gasoline is three dollars and eighty cents, not three nineteen. You mean to tell me the president of the United States is blatantly lying to the American people? That's exactly right, Justin. Once again, even Manchin in West Virginia called them out. Said he basically goes by where he is for the day. So he lied about the price of gasoline by sixty-one cents. That's a lot. No more drilling. He's shutting down coal plants. He was just saying just weeks ago, it's time for these oil companies to drill some more. He's sick and tired of the prices going up. And now he makes up a price for gas, and he says, no more drilling, and I'm shutting down the coal plants. This is why Donald Trump, running in 2024, says what he says about Joe Biden. In fact, Trump was in Miami and Pennsylvania, both. First, Pennsylvania Saturday afternoon, stumping for Dr. Oz in his race against Fetterman. Then Miami on Saturday night. And he played a uh, a montage, if you will. This is Donald Trump, not Bernie and Sid. Mind you, folks, I'm coming live to you this morning from the Bernard McGurk Studios here at 77 WABC. He mocked Joe Biden by playing this montage this would be um, number four, Lewis, Donald Trump in Miami on Saturday night. You know, we have a clip. I bought these beautiful, beautiful boards. We have a clip. Just take a look at the screen right up here. How would you say your mental focus is? Oh, it's focused. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look. Let's get ready to bumble! <laughs> I think it's a right for people that bad in health care. True what? international ever depression. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. Wait, 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 wait. All men and women created by the, go, you know the you know the thing. It holds near and dear to you that you uh I'd um, like to be able to... Anyway. <laughs> he went for two reasons. One, two. <laughs> Come on. Oh, boy. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, <laughs> I've had a couple questions. I <laughs> know. Terrible. But oh. the nature, not Representative <laughs> Jackie, are you here? Who's Jackie? I'm not sure that she wants to be here. Um, not there. Uh, um, I want my joint here. <laughs> yeah. I got hairy legs. That turn, that, 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 that. Thank you for tolerance and listening to me. I appreciate it very much. What? <laughs> so then after he played that montage, he goes on to talk about Biden in historical reference, Lou Rapino, where he belongs in the list of presidents. He's not very kind, of course. This would be uh, Donald Trump in Miami, cut number six. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together, and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done to our nation in less than two short years. Think of it. We're talking about less than two years. So then Matt Gates showed up there. Of course, Matt Gates, uh, the same Florida politician who 
uh, had to deal with all those horrible rumors about having sex with teenage girls. And they tried, the liberal media, to destroy Matt Gates as they've done before, and they've been successful at times. Not with Matt. It all turned out to be nonsense. He showed up at the Trump rally in Miami, and he says, hey, you're at a rally with Donnie D. Does not get better than that. This is Matt Gates, Lou Rapino, cut number eight. So it is closing time in these midterm elections. The fight is on, and there is no closer in American politics like Big Daddy Don. No closer in American politics like Big Daddy Don from Matt Gates down in Florida. And Junior showed up, my good buddy, Donald Trump Jr., there for his father in Miami. And he talked about the one-two punch of Joe Biden and John Fetterman again tomorrow, Election Day, one of the big Senate races in the state of Pennsylvania. We'll get to that audio, too. Trump was in Pennsylvania stumping for Dr. Oz Saturday afternoon. But Donald Trump Jr. in Miami, he lives in Jupiter, on Saturday night talking specifically about Biden and Fetterman. This, Lewis, is cut number nine. We're up against a Democrat party today that doesn't believe that a United States senator should not have mush for brains. <laughs> mush for brains should be 100% fine. That should be the Democrat slogan for 2024 because that's what they got us in 2020. We've seen what happens when you put someone with mush for brains in the office. And the answer is bad things. Mush for brains. Finally, one more. Donald Trump Jr. once again. Miami, big rally Saturday night with Donald Trump. And he talked about today's Democratic Party. Across America, people are waking up. They see the garbage that they've been sold. They see the nonsense that's been pushed day in and day out. And more importantly, they see the priorities of today's Democrat Party, which do nothing for you and everyday hardworking Americans. Honestly, guys, I ask this question as I go around the country to people and independents and people who are even former Democrats or even left-leaning, and I ask them pretty simply. If you were trying to destroy America from within, what would you do differently than today's Democrat Party? Hmm. Absolutely nothing. Great job there, Donald Trump Jr. Miami rally Saturday night. We'll get back to Trump in Pennsylvania on Saturday afternoon. Lee Zeldin in western New York yesterday. Kathy Hochul, her nonsense in New York yesterday, too, as well as these Senate races. And my friend Tom Sullivan running in Queens is coming up next. But traffic and sports also coming up. It's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to my dear buddy John Katsimatidis, his show on Sunday mornings at 8 the Cats Roundtable. It's a great show. He tells both sides of the story. In this cut, John talks with former New York governor Andrew Cuomo. But the governor, the current governor, is saying... She said that this whole perception of crime is a GOP conspiracy. She actually doubled down. She said crime is down 15%, and you, you're safer in Democratic cities. But nobody knows it. it's not the truth. It's not the truth. Governor Cuomo, what is your reaction? Yeah, look, I think Democrats... Democrats 
uh, get tongue-tied when it comes to crime. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's fear from the crime bill in 1994 that went too far. I think it's mostly the far left who, if you listen to them, nobody should go to jail ever. And that's a nice theory. It's just not reality. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Here's our guy, Pete Morgan, the great Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check him out today, PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. I just talked about it with Joe Nolan. Don't look now. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Jets are a good football team, and their effort against the Buffalo Bills yesterday, shocking. Here with more on all of it is my guy, Justin Ellick. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Sydney. Yes, shocking indeed as the, as the Jets. They do pull off their biggest win of the season at home over the division rival and AFC East. First place Buffalo Bills, but that lead for the Bills, it is shrinking because the Jets, they are indeed a good team. The defense is really the highlight of that football club. They were nails yesterday against Josh Allen and the potent Buffalo offense. And Zach Wilson, he was poised enough down the stretch to set up kicker Greg Zerlin for a 28-yard eventual nail in the coffin. Trying to give the Jets the lead. Zerlin, he hits 20-17. to that call courtesy of CBS Allen and the Bills would take one last desperation bid downfield on 4th and 21, but it wouldn't be a Jets win without a big play from Sauce Gardner. 4th and 21. Allen running around. Jets try to stick with him. Allen tosses. Deep ball on the way. Incomplete. Gabe Davis the intended target. CBS once again on the call. The Jets now breathing down Buffalo's neck for first place in the AFC East after week nine. And on the ice, it was just the Rangers in action last night. They suffered heartbreak in overtime against the Detroit Red Rings. Dominic Kubelik, who uh, netted the game, winner on a power play goal just under three minutes into the extra period in the blue charts. They fall three to two into an off day today. They'll face it off with the Islanders tomorrow night. And of course, Saturday night brought us a 2022 World Series champion in the Houston Astros. After going down two to one to the Philadelphia Phillies in the series, the Astros capped off their playoff run with three straight wins that culminated in a 4-1 victory in Game 6 at Minute Maid Park to capture their second title since 2017. And big news out of Queens almost immediately following the Astros' crowning star closer Edwin Diaz and the Mets are in agreement on a five-year, $102 million contract pending a physical. So the Mets, they lock up their guy and the trumpets for the foreseeable future. Here with your bottom-of-the-hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. How far I've gone, how high I've climbed. On the backs of 60 pound stone On the shoulder half mile line Come on up for the horizon Come on up with your heads in mind Come on up for the horizon Come on up for the horizon tonight Rising for the Republican Party, the red wave. Now about one day and two hours away from official election day. A lot of you have already voted. 
You know, I go to the gym in um, Rockaway, that YMCA, and every day that I'm there, I see carloads of mostly African-American women walking in to vote. And my fear, of course, is that they're all voting for Hochul. And they're probably right, but who knows? I can tell you that uh, I was at that rally for Zeldin in Brooklyn yesterday at Marine Park, and there was one black person, one one uh, black female, actually. The rest were pretty much religious Jews. But we'll see. Tomorrow's a day, and all the talk and all the rallies, and God, I've done so much in and around Lee Zeldin, dating back to uh, last year. It all ends tomorrow. Another guy running tomorrow, dear, dear friend of the Rosenberg family, his whole family, all of his brothers, Michael, Brian, Danny, all of them, is Tom Sullivan. Now, he ran for uh, senator a couple years ago, state senator, I should say, in 2018, was on with me and Bernie quite a bit. Now he's running for assembly in Queens, would be uh, the 5th congressional district up against uh, Gregory Meeks who has done nothing for the better part of, I don't know how many decades he's been a politician in Queens, but he's done nothing. And um, here comes Tom Sullivan, not Gregory Meeks, that's what Paul King is running against. Tom Sullivan is actually running in District 23. See, all my notes, I got 9 million pages of notes, I got confused for a second. Sully's running for assembly in District 23. King will join me at 725. He's running against Gregory Meeks. Here he is, the war hero, fought in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Kuwait. And also, this is true, folks, was there on 9-11 and literally dragged bodies out of the building. He saved lives on 9-11. A true hero, my dear friend Thomas Sullivan. Tom, good morning, pal. How are you? Hey, good morning. You left a couple of brothers out of there, out of the seven, but that's all right. Yeah, I know. My father never got it right, so (laughs) I I wouldn't expect you to get it right. Well, I know. I miss Russ. Who else did I miss? Yeah, Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Michael will be happy I missed him. (laughs) Don't start any trouble. (laughs) Me start? We're way past starting any trouble. But on on a serious note, Thomas, uh, tomorrow's the day, and uh, you've run a a terrific campaign. I see the Tom Sullivan van all over Queens. I can't tell you how many houses I pass where they've got the huge Tom Sullivan banner up on the second floor of their deck, even Lou Rapino saying the same thing. He has seen the same in Howard Beach and Bell Harbor and Rockaway. So the campaign's been great. And I spoke to Frank Morano this morning. He's usually very good with this political stuff. And he says, I think your friend Tom Sullivan is going to win tomorrow. What are you hearing, Tom? So, listen, out in Ozone Park, even last night, talking with many members of the Bangladeshi community, they, they, they want to change. They, they are very well aware of all the crime issues. They just want safe neighborhoods, the overcrowded schools, and uh, the, the lack of services they're getting from their uh, currently elected officials that, that feel like they've got to be elected for life some, for some reason. But listen, it's good. We're energized. We're out there. We're fighting. To, you know, they're laughing out there. What are you doing out here at 9.15 at night, you know, pushing it to the limit? Every vote counts. And uh, we're reaching every corner of this district, every single corner. We were out in Bayswater yesterday. And, hey, I got to mention, you know, Dove Hiking, they love them out there in Far Rockaway and Bayswater. And uh, you walk up to these, these people, they look at you and you say, can I get you a drink of water? Can, I, can you come <laughs> in and get something to eat? You look exhausted. And they're, they're so generous and so kind and right into the – 
right into the house they want you to come, you know? That's nice, so yeah. I want to I thank all those yep. those folks for, for their uh, for recognizing the effort that we all go through with this campaigning. And uh, so many good people out there all over this, this, this district, this state. That, that's a great experience we're having out here campaigning again. Tom Sullivan running for assembly in District 23 in Queens. You can follow Tom on Twitter. At Sully for Assembly, Elon Musk hasn't uh, gotten rid of him just yet. Uh, once again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Elon is uh, not exactly keeping his promise about free speech. That's a whole other story. But, uh, Tom, you know, you mentioned Dove Hyken. You got his endorsement. That's a big deal. You got the endorsement mine, which is big. And uh, even bigger, Congressman Peter King has also endorsed oh, yeah. you in yeah, this that race. Was on day one. Yeah, so, one. yeah, yeah going back to my book signing. Right. So I don't remember when you ran four years ago if you got that many luminaries that many huge politicians like Heiken and King to endorse you, did you? Well, we did get King, and we did get Congressman uh, Zelda. Uh, he was right out there at the forefront. And, um, you know, listen, he, he's in his race of his own. We fully support him out here in Queens. We're out there with signs. Wherever there's a Sullivan sign, there's a Zelda sign and a Paul King sign. We are running a, a unity effort. Uh, supporting each other everywhere we can. And I, and like I said, I know uh, Lee Zeldin is extremely busy, but as one service member to another, you know, uh, all I ask is a couple of kind words. He gave me a great endorsement a few years ago, and uh, I know he supports me now. Actually, uh, tom- tomorrow night I have, I have a rough uh, choice to make here. You've invited me to celebrate, hopefully, your victory at Wit's End, which happens to be our favorite restaurant, me and Danielle, in Rockaway. We love Wit, but I've also been invited by Lee Zeldin to Midtown Manhattan for his big speech tomorrow night, so i got to figure that out. How do I do both in the same night, Tom Sullivan and Lee Zeldin? But you're right. Lee's got his own race. You've got yours. When you look back, Tom, at this campaign, Thomas Sullivan, what do you think was the one issue, the one issue that you ran on that would make you a better assembly person than your actual competitor? You know, it's, it, it, there's numerous issues, you know. Listen, I'm I've, I've 29 years in the military, 29 years in finance. I've always been involved in my community boards. Uh, I have a depth of experience that, that these career politicians don't have. And uh, I, I'm, I'm able to address these crime issues, you know, frankly, on a much larger scale than an assembly race. Um, the economy. You know, inflation, it's just mind-boggling. Some of the, the, the people don't understand. Inflation is basic economy 101. Uh, so uh, you can name the issue, but I'm much more uh, experienced and uh, broader and, and deeper knowledge of many of these. I'm, I'm very well educated in some of these areas with an MBA and a, a master's in global strategic studies from the United States Army War College. So, and I'm, by the way, you know, so everybody knows I'm still doing all three, right? Campaigning, I'm servicing my clients. Yep. And I'm still serving uh, out in Iowa. So, and I've been doing that for 30 years. I've had two jobs, at least two jobs for 30 years, not to mention, you know, helping helping get the uh, 84-year-old family business to another generation. That's right. You've done that, too. So, for folks that aren't exactly sure, Thomas, you've been on this show a bunch of with me and Bernard, District 23, can you can you tell us some of the little towns that exist of? 
Yeah, I mean, you start up north with Ozone Park, Lindenwood, Howard Beach, Hamilton Beach, into Broad Channel, into the Rockaway Peninsula with Breezy Point, Naponza, Bell Harbor, Far Rock, Bayswater, all the way out to the Atlantic Beach Bridge. Get out there and vote. You know, one of the things I'm finding, we were out there yesterday. There were still people heading to the polls on those beautiful days, Saturday and Sunday. Still a lot of people haven't voted yet. You know, turnout is relatively low to 2020 with the early voting. And uh, listen, go out, go out and exercise the greatest, one of the greatest freedoms and rights we have. I've served all over this world, folks, and uh, they do not do elections here in the United <laughs> States. As, as much as you hear on the news about cheating and, and scandals and fairness, it is by far the most fair and easiest elections we do as Americans. Yeah, agreed. Not even Get close. Yeah, I know. I mean, I speak, I speak to Joe Tacopino all the time. He spends a week, a month in Italy, and he's like, these people in America have no idea how good they've got it. Uh, are you going to vote? Have you voted for yourself yet? Are you doing that tomorrow in Middle Village? What is your voting? No, yeah. no, no. Tomorrow, Breezy Point, I will vote on Election Day because I'm a big, big believer in, uh, you know, it's a federal holiday. It's an important day. And my biggest concern with the, the early voting, right, we have created time and space for people to cast doubt on our elections. It sounds convenient. It sounds easy, right? We we're always seems to be wanting to hit the easy button, not to mention that we just quadrupled the cost of, uh, of Election Day, right? So as an economist, we just quadrupled the cost of, uh, of voting here in, in America. But I said, like I said, my, my biggest concern is that when you create time and space, whether it's the Russians or Chinese, and believe me, folks, alls they, they don't care, Republican or Democrat. They just want to create an environment of chaos where nobody trusts the election. And that's a very dangerous situation. That's a huge national situation. Like I said, I'm running for assembly, but that's a lot bigger than most people think. All they want to do is create chaos and doubt. And when they do that, you got Americans versus Americans. Yep, you do. So you'll vote tomorrow for yourself in Breezy Point. Once again, folks, this is Thomas Sullivan running in District 23 in Queens for Assembly. You can follow Thomas on Twitter, at Sully for Assembly. Thomas, uh, another great race. I'm very proud of you, as is Danielle and and all of our our Queens area. We wish you nothing but success tomorrow. We do think you're going to win. It's going to be close, but we do think you're going to win either way. I will see you in Rockaway tomorrow night. Congratulations again on another great race. Hey, God bless you all. Get out there to vote. Uh, it's a great American thing to do. No doubt. Thank you. And uh, as Thomas said, he fought for this country in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Kuwait to make sure that you have the opportunity, the freedoms to go out tomorrow and vote for the candidate of your choice. That is guest number one of a guest loose list, I should say, that includes Paul King, Rich Lowry, Ina Vernikov, Dove Hikind, CBS Classic, Jim Nance, all that just today. And don't forget, tomorrow on Election Day, I've invited Andrew Giuliani on the right and Laura Curran on the left to sit in with me. So you got two great days of coverage, as only we can do it right here. I'm Sid Rosenberg, The Morning Show on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Merchant 10,000 Maniacs. These are the days as we start hour number two on this Monday morning, 705 in New York City. Temperature's going to hit about 75 degrees today. Once again, I'll be at the beach. And that's it, because tomorrow we get a high of 56, literally a 20 degree difference in one day. I do see temperatures back in the mid 60s, rainy by Thursday. And then a week from today, I'm seeing temperatures like highs of 46. And lows of 35. But how can I bitch? For like Thanksgiving is like right around the corner and I'm still going to the beach. But it's about to end, but not before today. Tomorrow, election day should be okay. The weather, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Nothing should stop you folks from getting out there and voting. Yesterday was a warm day. Not sunny, thank God, but still warm. And it did beat up some of those marathon runners one guy was in the lead, and he like he like um, he went right down. His body just gave up on him. Shocking! The Kenyans won again. I couldn't believe it, too. <laughs> I mean, really? it was shocking. Wow! Uh, that never happens. Jeez! Uh, congratulations to our friend Corey Zelnick, who finished the race. He just did about two minutes ago, but he finished. <laughs> Corey was in there on Friday. He's like, "I can do this. I got this." And man, I-, I was sitting there with Danielle yesterday, and we were checking Corey's time and. Again, it's a terrific job just to finish the race. I couldn't even come close, so I'm not knocking them. But, you know, until you run that race, until you hit miles 21, 22, 23, you don't know the damage to your body is brutal, brutal. And uh, Corey got it done, though, so congratulations. And Danielle ran 14 miles yesterday. She didn't run the marathon. She volunteered, came home late in the afternoon. She's training for Tokyo coming up in March. But congratulations to Corey and all of the runners who did a terrific job yesterday. Do they, uh, is there a limit? When do they stop it? I think once you get to six hours. They just 
you're done. Shop, so but people you, who are still running they hit you with there. a minivan and scrape you up with a plane. <laughs> yeah, and you don't get a medal. I think no. something like that. Or I, I think the actual time it's like six o'clock at night or something. With so you could be running at eight at night and yeah. you don't know what. Everybody happened. else went home. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Four semi trucks drive side by side on the road and take out anyone left on there. Uh, it's a great day, and yesterday was uh, too hot, but it was still a great day for all New Yorkers. Again, the uh, two big ones, the races, of course, uh, the two combatants, Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul, last minute stumping out there. You had Joe Biden in town on Saturday for Hochul. A few days ago, Hochul was out there with Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris. I mean, some of the worst people God ever created in and around Kathy Hochul the last couple of days, and... Yet people are impressed. I don't know what to What can I tell you? People are impressed. Wow. Wow, Hillary Clinton, the vice president, the president. Look at Kathy Hochul. So she, um, she's out there talking about how uh, crime is an issue. No, it is an issue. You never know about it. Whatever day, you never know, you know. Remember during the debate when she said to Lee Zeldin, and I quote, why is crime so important to you? She actually said that. I didn't make it up. I didn't write it. I didn't infer something she said. She said, and I quote, why is that so important to you? But this weekend, a few days before the election, it all of a sudden became important to her. Kind of like Andrew Cuomo, who's on the station a lot lately with John Katsimatidis and is trying to sell me a bag of goods about crime when he was the guy that initially signed that bail stuff years ago. So as far as I'm concerned, he's a scumbag with a capital S. But Hochul is telling some NBC reporter that, uh, hey, folks who commit crimes should be in jail. No kidding, Kathy. This is uh, Lewis. This is cut number 25, Kathy Hochul. 25. On the subject of nonviolent crime, not that long ago in New York, in our city, crime was down, incarceration was down, stop and frisk was down. How is it okay that we're now seeing people who commit a dozen burglaries face zero consequences? That's not okay. That's not okay. That's why I need the system to work with the laws we put in place. We change the laws. Repeat offenders need to be held. Even in nonviolent crimes. They need to be held when there's repeat offenders. I mean, she's a joke. She put the laws in place. Look at me. I did a great job. I put the laws in place. Don't look at me if some repeat offender goes out there and rapes your daughter or beats up your mother. Ain't my fault. I have the laws in place to make sure those people stay in jail. No, you don't. And you've taken away discretion from the judges. She actually took a shot at the Democrats, believe it or not, this weekend, Kathy Hochul. This Lewis would be cut number 26. You know, the problem with Democrats, they're doing all this good stuff, right? We have a lot of accomplishments. No, not really. But they None. just don't message the right way. You know, the Republicans are better at the messaging. Oh. God, we're better at messaging. Because Democrats are doing all these terrific things. They had some moron... Some lady on Facebook arguing with me about uh, 4 o'clock this morning. I'm in the car with Freddie, and I'm fighting with some, some stranger because I'm immature and stupid. I know that. She's going on and on about how great Joe Biden is and what an amazing job he's done with the economy and comparing him to Roosevelt. And I mean, you can't even make this up. All the great bills he's passed, the infrastructure bill, how great that was, the reduction inflation bill, which does not reduce inflation. I mean, people actually buy this stuff, folks. So Lee Zeldin was out there, too. He was out in western New York yesterday. And then he was out with uh, Lewis's girl, Tulsi Gabbard. Lewis is on record saying that if there was one woman 
You wanted a bang besides but, MJ. Well, okay, well, that was not on the record. That's oh, A, I'm, I'm because sorry. we talked about it off the air. Oh, I'm sorry. I just like to clarify things. I, you, sometimes you get lost in your own oh. damn schedule, and yeah. that's it. I'm so, sorry. you know, you can't differentiate what's on the air and what's off the air. I that's it. fine. Okay. I understand oh. that. It oh. wasn't on the record. Yeah. Now, of course, it is. <laughs> so, thank you. I'll put it on the record that I'm with them. I'm with, Thanks with for you, starting my Monday <laughs> election week. It's what? not even. It's not going to be a tense enough week of going through, you know, debates oh, I, and guests and election oh, I, I and everything for the. Oh. Now I, when I go home, right, uh, I have to deal with that. I'm only That's kidding, MJ. He, he never said that. Right. Yeah, forget it. It's okay. It's you too know, late. It's okay, Kyrie. The apology <laughs> time is over. You know, it's on your page. No problem. I know. Oh, you, big you, deal. You're you, one of like 10 million men who would say the same thing. MJ knows that. I know where I came from, so I don't need to apologize. <laughs> you, that's okay. It's all right. It's fine. However oh, you want to do the program yeah. or whatever you want to use. It's okay. all material. Whatever I've said to you from 5 a.m. on, go for it. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, it was on the record. I mean, we, we had a conversation. It, it was not on the air. It was not it's literally the opposite of on the record. It's yeah, the it complete opposite of on the record. On the record. Not even close to being on the record. yell for 10 minutes between commercial, like, wait, what, what would you do? Would you bang her? What about her? What about her? Every <laughs> single thing that comes oh, on the stop TV. Stop it. I wouldn't say something like Phil, that. Phil, what do you think about sleeping with that? <laughs> what do you, Lou? What do you do? So that's oh, not boy, on the record, okay, Falefa? Okay. All right. All right. Here, Zeldin rallies with Lewis's girl, Tulsi Gabbard, on Saturday night. <laughs> it was in Orange County. This is this is cut number 27. Yeah, wherever the heck that is. Reality is that New Yorkers are hitting their breaking point. They feel like their wallet, their safety, their freedom, the quality of their kids' education are under attack. I would just like to point out if anyone was taking a measurement of momentum and energy and enthusiasm... By the way, for show of hands, how many people in here were forced to be here? None. This is a campaign about us being able to restore New York to glory. And the aforementioned Tulsi Gabbard, standing alongside Lee Zeldin in Orange County on Saturday night, had this to say about our guy, hopefully the next governor of New York. Cut 28. Take that time to really think about who you can have a heart-to-heart conversation with. Because every single vote counts. Who are the people who are in a position to be a check on the mandates that are coming from the federal government to the state? It's the governor. It's the governor, that's right. So the governor races, obviously, tomorrow. Zeldin versus Hochul. There is no mayoral race. That is Mayor Eric Adams. Once again, dinner is set Thursday night, Brooklyn. Sid and Eric will see if he, in fact, shows up. But he was on 60 Minutes last night. You know, there was a time, folks, where I never missed 60 Minutes. CBS, of course, carries a big NFL game every week. Usually it's the local teams early and then a big game later. And then, like most Americans, your television is still on after the football game. And here comes 60 Minutes. I'm morally safer. Exactly. Or uh, Scott Pelley, Leslie Stahl. But a couple of years ago when Leslie Stahl did that interview with Donald Trump and Mike Pence, she was so pathetic. She really was and so biased and so agenda-driven that I promised myself that day I would stop watching 60 Minutes because, truth be told, the senior Mike Wallace 60 Minutes. They're all biased, every one of them. So I stopped watching. I really did. But it turns out the mayor... 
My friend Eric Adams was on 60 Minutes last night. (laughs) And Anderson Cooper did the interview, good old Anderson, and they talked about immigration. Let me explain something to Eric, Mr. Mayor, I'm sorry, that he continues to leave out. He went nuts on Governor DeSantis and uh, more nuts on Governor Abbott in Texas for sending these folks to New York. And he's always saying, look, man, there's got to be more communication. Well, what's the problem with that? Let me explain to you what the problem is. Long before Governor Abbott in Texas, write this down, Macedonia, long before Governor Abbott in Texas sent one person to New York City, what was already going on in the state of New York? In the middle of the night at Westchester Airport. Thanks, Rob Astorino. At Stewart Airport. Thanks to my, uh, my girl at the New York Post, Miranda Devine. What was already going on? Plane loads of illegals being flown to New York City under the guise of Joe Biden. Long before Mayor Eric Adams, Abbott sent one person to New York Your president, the guy you said yourself, I'm the Biden of Brooklyn, was sending plane loads of illegals to New York. What are the odds? Eric Adams said that to Anderson Cooper last night. (laughs) Slim to none. This is courtesy of 60 Minutes, CBS. This is a city of, what, 8 million people. Why would the arrival of 22,000 new people be such an emergency? We are a city of 8 million people that just came through uh, the pandemic. Uh, Many of our residents uh, lost their jobs, they lost homes. We already had crises that we were navigating and dealing with. Governor Abbott said that the buses would bring the reality of the crisis of the southern border to liberal cities, and it has done that, hasn't it? No, I, I, I disagree with that. Uh, he created this humanitarian no, crisis didn't. by his Biden human didn't. hands, his no. actions. No. Uh, there was nothing that prevented him from communicating without I just stop this. Saying, so so there it is support- right there. He created. He did not create it, Mr. Adams. This will be the first thing I say to Eric on Thursday night after order my bill Parmesan, of course. And that is Abbott created nothing. DeSantis created nothing. The creator, Mayor Eric Adams, of this immigration issue is your president, Joe Biden, who allows open borders, who again, who again is behind all these flights in the middle of the night to three different airports in New York before Abbott put one person on the bus. One. And you I know don't that. know why that's so important. To you. Yeah, why is that so important to you, Mayor Eric Adams? Exactly. And you know that already. You know that Kamala Harris in charge of the border has gone there once, and it wasn't even the border. You know all this. So stop blaming Republican governors. Maintain a little credibility with folks like me who do my homework and my listeners who do their homework. And then maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll get a guy like me, a Republican, who says, you know what, Adams? He ain't all that bad. But you're being lazy, and you're being partisan. And quite frankly... You're being stupid, and you're better than that, <laughs> I think. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up, and my friend 
running for Congress out of Bell Harbor in Queens, Paul King and Rich Lowry. A very exciting continuation of the 7 o'clock hour on this Monday morning on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City. That's us with Natalie Merchant, and we'll be right back. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Monday, the election system in the USA is suspect. Everybody knows that. But should it be? So here's how it works. The federal government does not have any direct power in the voting. Each state regulates the vote. There is a federal election commission which monitors money going into the political candidates and things like that. But it's up to each state, Delaware, Arizona, Idaho, Missouri, whatever, to make sure the vote is honest in their parameters. Some states are pretty good at it. Some states are not. So to blanketly say, well, I don't trust the vote. I don't trust that we're getting an honest count. That's wrong. There are places where the vote will not be honest. Always has been that way. Not justifying it is reality. But here's the thing. Remember the report, and I broke this story, about Mark Zuckerberg pumping $350 million into the 2020 election in a few counties? $350 million in a few counties. Well, where the deuce did that money go? It was used in the election cycle to defeat Donald Trump. But where did it go? We don't know. Nobody's even investigating it, as far as I can tell. This is crazy. Now, that's what all the states and the federal government should be concerned about. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. (laughs) Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Monday morning, Lee Zeldin on New York One right now. He'll join us tomorrow on the way to vote, and I'll be alongside Lee Zeldin tomorrow night. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say yet where we're going to be when he celebrates his win over Kathy Hochul. That'll be tomorrow. And uh, Tom Sullivan, my friend Tom Sullivan running in District 23 in Queens, told us in the 6 a.m. hour this morning 
When you drive through my neighborhood and Lou Rufino's neighborhood, not far from Bernard's neighborhood, almost every lawn has three signs on it. Vote for Lee Zeldin, vote for Thomas Sullivan, and vote for Paul King. Paul is running in New York's 5th Congressional District, a House seat, going up against lifelong politician, a do-nothing, by the way, Gregory Meeks. And I've gotten to know Paul very well the last couple of months, me and Danielle, and his lovely wife, Margaret Powers, that's a good man. In fact, I um, had the chance to uh, speak on behalf of Paul not that long ago at Callie's, Terrence Mullen's place, Freedom Fest a couple of weeks ago. And here he is the day before Election Day once again, Paul King. Paul, how are you, brother? I'm doing great today, Sid. How are you? I'm always good when I'm on the phone with you. So uh, tomorrow's the big day, all these months and months and all these signs and all this running around and the back and forth with Gregory Meeks. Now we're a little more than 24 hours away from the actual beginning of Election Day, even though people have voted uh, before tomorrow. So what is your feeling one day before the big day? Oh, I, I just can't wait for tomorrow. I don't know if you remember the Kentucky Derby this year. You know, yeah. 80 to one shot, rich strike. I feel like that jockey must have felt coming down the stretch. <laughs> and he's just picking up speed and barreling past the favorites. And no one's even noticing him, which has always been my strategy. You know, you know, Meeks is standing still compared to me, and uh, I just I can't wait to get out there with the voters, talk to everyone last time, and and see where the chips fall. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like all these Democrats, you know, Hochul resting on her laurels, only debated Lee Zeldin once. The lead was evaporating, but you know, she's still the favorite to win tomorrow. Same thing with Meeks. You know, these Democrats, Michael Henry, never got a chance to debate Letitia James. They feel like they're going to win, and there's no reason to open themselves up to any real scrutiny. I mean, if you, you know, there's a debate, you start to find out, like we did with Hochul, just how ignorant she really is about New York's issues. And Gregory Meeks probably feels about the same way. Yes, Paul? Absolutely. You know, he he thinks he's got his guaranteed formula, and he gives money to certain people in the district who are his friends and civic groups to get out the vote, and he just counts, he takes for granted that he'll get African-American vote enough to win. So why talk to the voters? Why take the scrutiny of any questions? He's just going to waltz in. So I think he's starting to get the message that maybe there's a problem here, either because of the red wave or he's just hearing about, I've been all over his district for the last nine months. Um, A friend of mine was listening to a political show, and they said, well, you know, the Democrats are pulling out of races they know they're going to lose, and they're redirecting some of that money to races they can't afford to lose. And I was stunned they included District 5, Meeks versus King, wow. in, on that list. And that's uh, that's a stunning admission because this, this guy won his last race something like 85 to 13. Wow, that is a big, big deal. And there's been a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, even the NAACP had something to say, that Gregory Meeks has not done his part here in his race against you. Why don't you highlight one or two of those? Sure, sure. I mean, um, you know, he has he turned down a debate from the local newspaper, The Wave, and that wasn't shocking. Turning down a debate from the NAACP Far Rockaway branch, that did surprise me. I didn't think he could say no to them. Uh, he has avoided every single candidate's night. You know, he's constantly, he's, he's never in town. That's his, that's his story. He's like, I'm out of the country. His office says he's sorry he's not available. He doesn't show up in front of his constituents at all. And people see that, you know, and it, and it kind of goes with one of the themes that, that I hear out there on the trail when I talk to people. And, I mean, there are two big things that are making pe- people open to me. The, the Kind of the underlying thing over time is, you know, I've talked about the American dream. People feel like 
the government's not on their side. They're making it harder for their families. And in a lot of cases, they say it's, they feel like they're being actively undermined. But in other cases, they say it just seems like this guy doesn't care. And Meeks falls into that category. You, can, you never see him, never in the community. His people rarely show up. His office in Auburn is often, often closed. Um, you know, that's supposed to be our representative. Representative means something. And uh, so he's not there for them day to day when they have problems. It's not helping them meet meet their family's goals. And now that's election time, he's just, you know, he's running his playbook behind the scenes because he thinks that's going to help him waltz in. And uh, I pray that he's wrong in a big way tomorrow. Been a couple of uh, meetings, too. There's lots of uh, high-rise residential buildings in that Rockaway area. And uh, he's supposed to be there for those folks to improve the conditions. I know there's been at least one time where you showed up for those meetings trying to help out the local residents and, and maybe getting heat or something in those apartments. And he was, like you said, out of the country in Ukraine somewhere or in Haiti. He has actually not shown up for the people inside his own district in their buildings. Isn't that the case? Yeah, as a matter of fact, that particular meeting was with uh, people in NYCHA. So we've got five NYCHA developments in Rockford. A lot of people who need help in public housing or struggling to even get a, a toe onto the American dream so they can get running. And uh, they call this really important meeting about, you know, they're both the short-term and long-term issues. And that was the time he didn't show up because he was at the, the World Economic Forum. Uh, so the richest <laughs> right. people in the world. In Davos, of, that's people. right. Yeah, in Switzerland, exactly. that's right. And crime is an issue, too. I mean, I, you know, thank God we live in a nice little neighborhood there, Paul. But you start going down in those numbers in Rockaway, and it seems like there's a shooting Almost every day. I don't let Gabe go past like the 90s, to be honest, although I do work out on 73rd at the gym. But uh, there's a lot of crime there, too. And I got to tell you, 116, that could use some help as well. If Paul King wins, that's one of the major issues. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and I said earlier about how you know the American theme resonates kind of as an underlying the government's not on our side, our family side a top-level thing that everyone's talking about all over my district. And, and apparently Kathy Hochul and others and Greg Meeks didn't get the, me- the memo on this, that crime's a real problem. You know, people say, tell me things like, I have to figure out ways to get my child from home to school and back. And it's not a straight line because I have to avoid this area where there, where there might be a gun violence or there might be a gang problem or drugs. Everyone's feeling it in every neighborhood and not all feeling it the same way. You know, for us, it's more about robbery and a sense of being unsafe and you can't take the subway. But in other areas right here in Rockaway, other parts of Queens, it's my son might get shot or my daughter might get shot as an innocent bystander. And uh, mm. um, they're not doing nearly enough. They, they talk a good game, but not doing enough to tackle it. Did you vote for yourself yet? Or are you waiting until tomorrow? Oh, I'm definitely waiting for tomorrow. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I've always loved to go to the polls on Election Day, you know, kind of feel that American energy when everyone's getting together, regardless of who they're voting for. You're participating. You, you feel like you're, you're part of the country. You're being patriotic. And so I'm going to go fill out my form and, uh, you know, with, with my friends here in uh, PS114 in Bell Harbor. And then I'll go, uh, I'll go all around the district and, and watch people do it uh, in all corners of Queens. Well, you've run a terrific campaign, Paul. You really have for the day. I met you at the uh, Yacht Club, actually, many, many months ago. Your wife, Margaret, who's just terrific. The Both of you folks are a great uh, couple here in Queens, and everybody loves you in the neighborhood. And I think you're going to pull off a huge, shocking victory tomorrow. Regardless, thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, running this race and, and pointing out just how lazy Gregory Meeks is. And let's hope you got a big win tomorrow, Paul King. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Sid, and thanks for being there the whole way through and for spreading the word to all your listeners and, and, and encouraging them to get out there and vote because if we want to take back the take back our state and our country, you can't sit on the sidelines. You've got to get in the game tomorrow. 100% right. That is the message of the day. Paul King, thank you so much. Running again for the House, New York's 5th Congressional District, up against Gregory Meeks. Go out tomorrow and do yourself, your state, and your country a favor and vote for Paul King. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Florida are going to reelect the wonderful, the great friend of mine, Marco Rubio, to the United States Senate. Are you going to re-elect Ron DeSantis as your governor of your state? He actually called him Ron DeSantis there. In another cut, which we'll play later, he called him Ron the Sanctimonious. There is no love right now between Trump and DeSantis. But there's a lot of love between me and the editor of the National Review, who's on this time every Monday morning, Politico, NBC contributor, his stuff often syndicated here in the New York Post. He's a great Monday morning guest, and he's my pal, Rich Lowry. Well, one day before Election Day, Rich Lowry, here we are. Four Senate races seem to be very, very tight yet. Real clear politics saying just this morning, still get ready for a red wave. Which, Larry, agree or disagree? I agree. I, th- I think all the signs are out there. We had a poll yesterday from New Hampshire. That's a, a state that no one was counting on uh, two or three weeks ago. Republicans picked the, the stop the steal guy. Seemed like a suicidal choice. This guy named Boldak. He is tied with uh, he's not gonna win. up there. He's not going to win. And, and he's going to lose. He's going to lose. He's going to lose? Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. Breaking news? He's going to lose? Yeah, he's not. He's really not tied. He's down like four or five points, but he's not going to win. But it's close. It's much closer than most people yeah, thought, I, I to your point. Yeah. I think he's going to win. You do? Yeah. Well, you know and, the stuff that I do. Zeldin, I'm finally on the Zeldin bus, too. All right. Well, let's talk about that, let's stop right there before we get back to Trump <laughs> and the rest of that. You're on the Zeldin bus. I remember during the Biden-Trump uh, uh, campaigns— you on with me and Bernie every Monday, and every Monday I ended the conversation with Rich. If the election was tomorrow, who wins? And you never wavered. Biden every week, and you were right. Whether you think it was rigged or not, Biden was the winner. That's the bottom line. You have said in the past you find it very hard to believe Zeldin can win. Now today, yeah, I the day before, I wasn't following it because it was hopeless when you when you right. first asked me about it. So what now has happened? Were you saying the day before, which makes me happy? Lee Zeldin is going to win. The, the wave. If, if there's a wave, it's going to happen. So I'm betting on the wave. I'm believing on the wave. That's why I, I think Balduck will win in New Hampshire. 
and look, I don't have do I have a huge degree of certainty on, on Zeldin? No, but but I if I had to guess, I think he's going to barely barely beat her, and if he loses, it's going to be a heartbreaker, you know, like one point or something. Yeah, it's going to be a tight so, uh, race either way. You're saying? Yep. This yep. game comes down to a field goal. Yep. Oh absolutely. boy. Uh, I'd almost rather he lost by 100 points than he loses by one. Uh, You mentioned the New Hampshire Senate race, but uh, obviously the eyes are on Oz and Fetterman in Pennsylvania, Walker and Warnock in Georgia. All of a sudden, uh, Blake Masters has come on strong Mm -hmm. on the West Coast. How many more surprises do you think we'll see in the Senate races? Well, my my biggest surprise would be New Hampshire. I, I think Oz Fetterman, you know, that one's a coin toss again. Like Zeldin, I, I I think Oz. I'm not certain Oz. Um, I would have said a couple weeks ago that that that's the Senate. That's the race that decides control the Senate. I don't think so because I think there there are other options on the table now for Republicans. Uh, I kind of think that Blake Masters is going to win. I definitely think Herschel Walker is going to win. I think Ron Johnson is going to win in, in Wisconsin. So that's that's enough to, to secure a Senate majority. And, you know, if it gets crazy, then you get uh, Smiley in, in Washington State winning, um, which is not it's not outside the realm of imagination. It, it's it's uh, I would say um, less likely um, to happen than it is. But um, in a real big night, you could look at, you know, 54, 55 Senate wow. seats. And then you could look at the map in 24 on the Senate. So tilted toward the Republicans, you get 55, you could get 60 after wow. after 24. So uh, by your accounts here, and, and you're by no means a conservative, uh, by your accounts here, you think that the Democrats are in big trouble, not just tomorrow, but for years moving forward. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly in the in the the, the Senate, it, if they if they lose it, I mean, it's going to be impossible to to win it back uh, next time. And the, the House also, you know, the the, no, the pure number of pickups might not be huge, but you might get Republicans, you know, close to the the most seats they've ever had because they're they're already pretty high, and that's going to be hard to to claw back in in 24. And then you have. You know, poor poor Joe Biden. He, he tripped again, and uh, at this this rally for for Hochul. And I just think if he doesn't step aside and just say, "I'm not going to do this," there's a, a, a chance. And I think it, it'll be terrible for him. It'll be terrible for the country. Something's going to happen that just makes it undeniable that that he is just not up for this anymore. Like you know, what? A terrible fall. You know, on the steps of Air Force One. Oh. Literally yeah. falling asleep. Yeah. You know, he nearly fell asleep in that MSNBC interview. Like really nodding off in the middle of a speech to the country or something. Something that just makes it undeniable. And and I, I think this is a real bad situation. It doesn't give me any pleasure to say it, but I think that's where we're could be headed. I mean, yeah, he's a mess physically. There's no question about it. But he still has enough acumen to lie every single day. I mean, I mean, <laughs> he comes. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he comes out there yesterday and he goes, "Listen, uh, no more drilling." This is after just a couple of weeks ago saying we need more drilling. We got to get these prices down. No more drilling because last I checked, the national average on gas is down to three dollars and nineteen cents, and that's progress. Well, that would be true if it was the case. It's $3.80. He was off by 61 cents. So we lied again. And once again, he's talking about no more drilling, yeah. once again, making us less energy independent. I know. This is his midterm message. He, he gets he gets heckled by a climate protester. And it, it basically is, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't drill anymore. <laughs> I mean, come on. Is he serious? <laughs> yeah. And the whole gas price thing, even if you weren't off by 60 cents, is still ridiculous. He, you know, if if you uh, the the price is two dollars higher than it was when he came into office, and then goes down sixty cents, that that's not a victory, no, right? No, no. Well, no, it, it, but it, 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 it is a victory because inflation is still at eight percent too. 
But it is a victory if you're Joe Biden, if your your people, your minions, your Democrats, and lots of those all morons, if they believe the message that he was put in this position because of, forget about Putin, forget about COVID, because of Donald Trump, then you go, whoa, mm-hmm. this guy was handed a bag right. of goods, and look, he's actually lowering prices just a little. Right. So if you hate Trump enough to believe that, then Biden's message will work. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's true. Um, they, they, their uh, re- reality doesn't intrude on their point of view here. But I, th- I think what they should have done is um, he should have had some genuine sort of bipartisan inflation bill. Even if it didn't pass, he could say, you know, here are the, all these things I want to do. I repeal the Jones Act to make it easier to ship stuff. You know, I repeal tariffs. Uh, I want to drill more. And he, he should have had – they should have had some um, massive pro-cop bill. Like we're going to hire 100,000 cops the way Bill Clinton did. Whether it's BS or not, or whether it passes or not, just to have stuff to say on that. But they, they, they didn't. Instead, it was all abortion and all saving democracy, supposedly. That's it. And, of course, if you know Donald Trump, if you bump into him on the street, then you're evil. And gun laws, they love that gun law thing because no one dies in this country outside of guns. Uh, let me go back to Donald Trump for a second. I played that cut from Miami. He was in Pennsylvania with Oz on Saturday afternoon. They went down to Miami on Saturday night, and he beat up Ron DeSantis pretty good on Saturday. So forgetting about Republicans versus Democrats right now, it looks like Republicans versus Republicans because we may be in for a very heated battle between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Do you see it that way? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and all the chatter has been, you know, uh, Trump hates DeSantis. He can't stand the idea that, that DeSantis thinks he's going to get in and, and take what Trump deserves, which is the nomination again. And well, not only just, that, let me, let me stop you for a second, yeah. but another race that the Republicans could have won, they won't, is this guy O'Day in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And O'Day gets this DeSantis endorsement, and O'Day goes on all these liberal channels and beats the living daylights out of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then Trump fires back. Right. Um, and and DeSantis, I don't think he's you know as he said Trump's name the last year. <laughs> you know, so he, he's clearly thinking about getting in, and he's going to get a, you know like a ten point victory, a huge victory in Florida terms. De, DeSantis won by point four points against a, a drug addict with with deep <laughs> mental problems. You know, Rick Scott, who was governor prior to him, won by one point re-election and one point four the the first time. Around so to win by ten, it's it's a stunning, it's a huge victory. But but Trump is going to try to to uh, you know step all over DeSantis's parade and and perhaps endorses uh, sorry and uh, announces early as as next week kind of scare people out out of the race and kind of dare DeSantis to do it. And Ron DeSanctimonious, I don't think that's a great nickname. I don't think that's going <laughs> to stick. But it's a sign, baby. It's oh, a sign oh no, he's starting. Oh, he is starting. So I'm going to put you on the spot at the end of this great conversation. Another amazing conversation. Rich, uh, you say Zeldin's going to win tomorrow. No Biden, Trump right now, two years out. I mean, this is ridiculous, but I still want it two years out. Trump versus DeSantis tomorrow. Who wins? Trump. Really? Yeah. No, I think Trump like 60 percent chance and DeSantis is like a 20 percent chance. I mean, the thing I think Trump in theory is vulnerable. But then I think about the states. Is someone going to beat him in Iowa? Hard to see. Someone no. going to beat him in New Hampshire? No. Uh, I don't think so. Nevada? Uh, I don't know about that. South Carolina? No way. So maybe things change, but at the moment, you've got to give uh, Trump's a prohibitive favorite.
can't believe I'm saying this because we've been with you since day one, Rich. When you came here, remember Bernie even saying, yeah. I'm not sure this guy's on our team. I'm uh, yeah, not sure. I <laughs> but I, I think, I think you're almost a, a Trump supporter. You're like almost a Trump supporter. Like almost. Like a little bit, little bit, little bit. <laughs> you got you to keep working me on, on me on that one. You, know, you, got, you got me on Zeldin, so, you know, All there's, right. there's always hope. Is Aaron Judge going to sign with the Giants, Dodgers, or Yankees? Yankees. No doubt? No doubt. I, I think it's it's good for him. It's good for the Yankees, and the, and they'll they'll pony up. You know, he'll never hit 62 home runs again, but it'll be good for the next three or four years. And it's not their it's not his fault that they're not winning championships. You know how great you are. You really are great. Thank you. This is such a fun conversation. All right. Thanks, Sid. Enjoy Let's, tomorrow, uh, fingers Rich. Fingers crossed for tomorrow. Uh, you got it. Fingers crossed. Right. Lee Zeldin. There he is, the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC, all of it, and does his best work right here at 740 every Monday morning, which Larry. So we've had quite a show already. It's not even 8 o'clock. Thomas Sullivan running for Assembly, District 23 in Queens. Paul King running for the House, District 5 in Queens. Which Lowry, still to come. Lydia reports. How about this one, two punch at 840? We were together yesterday at a Zeldin rally in Marine Park, Brooklyn. Dove Heikind and Ina Kurnikov, Vernikov, I always say the same thing, Vernikov. And then, coming up at 9.40, the velvet voice of CBS Sports. Yesterday you had that Tom Brady epic comeback win for the Buccaneers against the Rams. My dear friend and a guy that Bernie loved as well, the great Jim Nance. Tomorrow... Andrew Giuliani and Laura Kern will co-host with me. And Megan Kelly makes her debut on this program coming up tomorrow morning. Lee Zeldin will also call in tomorrow. Now you know why we're number one, folks. Number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in the country. That's me. That's us right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. No, by 16 there, I've already done it for you, and a lot more than that. Another 20 or so. I'm going to be doing it. The last thing I remember last night was watching Real Housewives of Potomac in bed with uh, my beautiful wife. That's <laughs> the last thing I remember. I had a relatively restful day yesterday. 
Went to the gym in the morning, had a good workout, watched a lot of football. But as I mentioned earlier, I did miss the end of the Jets, Bills, and Vikings-Commanders games, which annoyed me. But I had something more pressing and more important to do, and that was to join my friends Dove Heikend and Inna Vernikov at a rally for Lee Zeldin at Marine Park in Brooklyn. And both Dove and Inna are set to join me coming up at 8.40 this morning. That's a big deal. The voice of CBS Sports. He had the Rams and Buccaneers yesterday, but of course he's the voice of the Masters, the college basketball final game, Jim Nance. He'll be here at 9.40. And uh, Lydia Reports is coming up next. Why are you in here? What what, what happened? What? Oh, no, I just I, it actually intrigued me that you were watching Real Housewives of Potomac. Is that a new one? No, it's been around for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. Because my, my sister and my brother-in-law live in Potomac. Is that right? So she could be on the show, and she's now... She's, she's not black, though. No. They're all black. Oh, you have to be black? I, I mean, I don't, they're all black. Hmm. The Real Housewives of Atlanta are all black. They once had a white chick, Kim, <laughs> who was married to Corey Bierman, who played for the Atlanta Falcons, but she had a fight with Kenya. She's gone. It's a very own show. Girls are all black. It's a very white area. Where'd they find so many? <laughs> I, I don't know. Black families. Oh, uh, all black. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And then you get like the Will Houses of New Jersey. You can't find a black person. Right. right, right, right they right, threw right. Tiki Barber in there last year. So you know, black guy out of nowhere. But <laughs> Tiki Barber. And yeah. Black, and his wife, who, who's married to a white girl, that worked out well. Tracy Lynn Johnson. <laughs> and then you get. Um, Appreciate you. New York uh, tried the black uh, person thing with Ebony Williams, and that went so well that the, they've actually canceled the show forever. Oh. Yeah, so I'm sure to it'll, sure to work out mean, great in Potomac. What do you mean try out the black person thing? Yeah, well, there, there <laughs> yeah. was always white girls in New York, and the and Ebony, who used to work with us here, we were close with Ebony, me and Bernie. She worked with Curtis Sliwa. Then, of course, she was on that show on Fox News with Eric Bowling and Kat Tim, which me and Bernie were on quite a bit, the specialists. So we loved Ebony. And I spoke to Ebony when she got the job for Real Housewives. I was excited for her. And then she blew up the whole show. She She started the very first episode by wearing a hoodie, with the name of the five scumbag kids in Central Park, the girl that got raped years and years ago, that whole thing that Ava DuVernay was saying they're innocent, blah, blah, blah. So right off the bat, episode one, Ebony is like, look at me, I'm black, and I'm standing up for kids who, at the very least, cause a bunch of trouble if they didn't rape somebody. And that was the end of that. So by the time they tried to film the reunion show, nobody wanted to come. All of them. I'm talking girls were on that show for years. Ramona, the Countess, they're like, we're not going anywhere with that girl. She literally blew up the whole franchise. Unbelievable. Not unbelievable? I can't yeah. even believe that sort I of behavior. I can't believe it. A true I, story. I, you just said it, but I don't believe a word you just said. It, it's so uh, yeah, yeah, nobody cares anyway. Be quiet. <laughs> God. So <laughs> Megyn Kelly makes her debut on this show tomorrow. Here's where Macedonia Phil is going to show some of his foreign affairs smarts. I've always been a big Macedonia. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of Megyn Kelly. Even though that uh, first debate with Donald Trump... Bernie contended forever that she was against Donald because she started the debate. She really did by blasting Trump about the way he treats women. You may remember that. You call them pigs. Blah, blah. That's the first debate. And Trump goes, only Rosie O'Donnell. You remember that whole nonsense. And, um, you know, Megan pissed off a lot of Trump supporters back then. But she went on to get that big money from NBC. And then she allowed Roland Martin, of all people, who I, I kick Roland Martin's ass every day on Twitter. Kick his ass. She allowed Roland Martin to roll her on NBC about blackface Halloween, and she got fired. But they wanted to get rid of her anyway because she was getting lousy ratings and making a ton of money. But she walked out with like 30 mil, like a Don Imus type of deal, you know. And now she has some podcast, and I still like her. But I, I saw something that really alarmed me a couple of days ago. I have to give a listener credit. They tipped me off to this. So Danielle found the podcast. She had Jason Whitlock on a couple of days ago. A few folks that don't know... 
Jason and I go back 22 years when he was a nobody writing for the local papers in Kansas City and doing the midday sports show on 810 WHB after me and Scott Kaplan. Fact, when I first went to Kansas City, Whitlock bought me and my wife, Danielle, matching Fendi watches to thank us for putting him on our radio show. He was a nobody. Now he's the man because he's a black guy and he's a conservative. And he's smart and he's good. But um, he was sitting there with Megyn Kelly and they couldn't find something wrong with what Kyrie Irving did. And the two of them actually kind of defended Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. It's unbelievable to me. Shalom. So Megan's going to join me tomorrow, and it's already, it's already getting ugly. She has no idea. But let me play this for you. This is from her podcast. This will be cut number 19, where she says, basically, what did Kyrie Irving do wrong? Cut number 19. Started with just one tweet. Really hasn't said anything other than refusing to apologize until late last night. He just tweeted out a tweet yeah. that promoted this movie, uh, what is it, Hebrews against Negroes. Negroes. Uh, ne- yeah. Negroes, Hebrews, okay. Something so like Negroes. Um, yeah. Negroes. I guess it's controversial. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I know you tried to watch it. Mm. But that's all he did. That's and all he did. all hell has rained down on him. She, stop right there. So, so she goes, suspended. that's all he did. That's all he did. So Whitlock, and, and I, somebody told me, and, and I don't want to, I'm not going to say this has been confirmed by anybody. Because it hasn't. But one person told me that Whitlock is a follower of Farrakhan. Can we find that out? Because I've always been I've been friends with Jason for 20-plus years. Uh, he plays on this guy all the time. It'll be over today if that's the case. That'll be it. So he answers her question about uh, that's all he did with this lame response. This is absurd that I follow Con- uh, Kyrie uh, Irving on Twitter and Instagram, uh, the Hebrews to Negroes documentary. When he tweeted that out, I had no idea. It, I, you know, over Twitter, I follow five, six hundred people. I, I can't, other than what I tweet, I can't keep up with anybody else and what they tweet. And if I had saw the tweet, I wouldn't know what he was talking about. And so mm. it's the controversy and the pretending of offense that has driven attention Stop. to this documentary. And that's the only reason why I attempted to watch it. It's three and a half hours. I watched about 75 minutes of it. The thing is awful in, in terms of quality. It's impossible to understand what's going on. It's not compelling. It's boring. I was forcing myself to watch it. I never, in the 75 minutes I saw, uh, as much as I could follow, I couldn't find anything anti-Semitic. Okay, yeah. enough of that. All right, so he watched 75 minutes out of three hours. Maybe the next two hours, Jason. Two hours, not two minutes, not 20 minutes. Two hours. There was something anti-Semitic in there. I don't know. Maybe it's because Kelly, an Irish girl, Whitlock, a black guy. Maybe I'm more sensitive because my last name is Rosenberg. But I was really upset and almost offended at both of them for the way they spoke about this, and now Megan Kelly is coming on tomorrow at 840. We'll see how that goes. So the Nets have a list of six things that this Kyrie Irving has to do to get reinstated to the team. These are the six things that Kyrie Irving must do if, in fact, he's going to be reinstated. Number one, apologize. Good luck with that. And condemn the movie. Here's number two, $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes. 
Here's number three. Good luck with this one. Sensitivity training. (laughs) Here's number four. Anti-Semitic training. Here's number five. Meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders. Hope you're listening, Dove Hyken. Set to join me in about 20 minutes. And finally, meet with Joe Tsai, the owner of the Nets, to demonstrate understanding. And what is the issue, Macedonia Bill, with meeting with Nets owner, Joe Tsai? Uh, the, the fact that Joe Tsai is taking this like moral high ground, that he's in some sort of place that he could criticize uh, Kyrie Irving for sharing a video. Like, all right, don't get me wrong. What Kyrie Irving did was wrong. I, I don't want your opinion on the Kyrie Irving thing. Just tell me because you're going to say something jo- stupid. I'm going to have to fire you. No. Just say something about Joe Tsai. Why is he the well, wrong he, guy? Why is he the wrong guy? He's making billions off funding a genocide in China. Thank you. He's making billions off funding the genocide in China. He's a Chinese billionaire who has no problem with the Uyghurs, with the, do those people in, uh, in China. And he's going he's gonna to talk about Kyrie Irving? I mean, give me a break. Thank you for that, Macedonia, Phil. Here's more uh, bad news for the Democrats. Back to politics for a second. When my guy on a Sunday, and he's still my buddy. I know you folks out there hate him. I don't care. When my guy on Meet the Press, NBC, Chuck Todd, starts stating all the reasons why Joe Biden is ineffective and Democrats are in big trouble, you know... If you're a Democrat, you're not having a very good day. This is courtesy of NBC Meet the Press. Chuck Todd, this is uh, cut number 13, Lewis, talking about the countdown to Election Day. Final stretch says it all about how the Democrats believe the election is going. Outside of the Philadelphia stop with Obama yesterday, President Biden has spent the final days of this campaign not in purple states, but in blue states, California, New Mexico, Illinois, and New York where he'll be campaigning later today in suburban New York City, Westchester County. Makes no sense to Chuck's point. If you should go to places where you're, you know, your person there may be in trouble, not where they're definitely going to win. Hey, how is, um, how is Joe Biden doing with independence, Chuck Todd? This is Chuck Todd number 14. Biden's job approval rating sits at 44% in this final NBC News poll. By the way, all-time low with independence. His approval rating is just 28%. Ouch. And what about the economy, Chuck Todd? How do folks feel about that direction, what Joe Biden is doing there? Cut number 15. And here's, the, to me, the number you probably ought to care about the most in this poll. The state of the U.S. economy. 81% tell us they're dissatisfied. This is the second highest number we've ever recorded the last time it was this high was just before the 2010 election and you know how that one went and i think brit Hume puts it perfectly one of the real smart guys at fox news and this is not your daddy's fox news as donald trump would say every day you see another democrat on that network which is hard to watch but brit Hume is, is a throwback and he, by the way he's not a, a staunch conservative by any stretch but he's just a smart guy, and he finds a way to place things perfectly in a sentence. This, uh, Lewis, is Brit Hume, number 16, talking about democracy on the line tomorrow. With the whole thing about the end of democracy mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and this continual refrain we hear that says democracy is on the ballot. No, democracy is the ballot. And what you're basically arguing is that an exercise in democracy in which people go out and vote for candidates is, is, is the end of democracy? It's utter nonsense. It is utter nonsense. All right, Lou Dobbs' business report is coming up next. 
Then we'll talk to Lydia Serrani. She's always terrific. Lydia reports. Then the one-two punch of Dove, Heikind, and Inna Vernikoff coming up at 840. All this leading to the Velvet Voice of CBS Sports. My dear friend Jim Nance, he'll be here at 940. So lots more exciting stuff to do the day before Election Day right here with me, Sid Rosenberg, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Wall Street coming off a big week of losses despite a late week rebound. Stocks higher at the closing bell Friday, but all three major indexes broke a multiple week win streak. The market slowed to bounce back after the Fed's latest rate hike. October's consumer price index comes Thursday. Investors will get a better idea of how the Fed's rate hike campaign is working. Wall Street targeting inflation to come in somewhere around 8%, down slightly from September's reading. If the forecast holds up, it means inflation is still running at roughly four times the Fed's target. A signal rate hikes will go on. BioNTech reports earnings today. Quarterly revenue forecast to rise slightly, but COVID vaccine demand is uncertain, and that clouds BioNTech's outlook. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. This report is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. Sid, Blue Cities, they have a major murder problem, despite Democrats saying, oh, no, crime is all over across the country because of COVID, because of the economy. Well, let, oh, me no. stop, let me stop you for a second. Not only do they say crime is all over, but Kathy Hochul, the governor, on record last week saying, and I quote, that it's a lie. That it is the red states that have the real crime, not the blue states. She said that. Exactly. Exactly. Hochul's saying that this is simply a conspiracy by the GOP and that common sense Democrats like Mayor Adams, which, by the way, CNN did an article on Mayor Adams, and they're going to blame him if Hochul ends up losing in New York because they say that he fell for the Republican tactic, making crime an issue. Uh, you even had Hillary Clinton saying it's a GOP conspiracy theory and that they're just using the mass hysteria to confuse female voters. Well, the Heritage Foundation, it did an analysis and found that 27 of the 30 cities with the highest murder rates were run by guess what? Democrats, of course. the exceptions, Lexington, Kentucky and Jacksonville, Florida, which have Republican mayors and Vegas, whose mayor is an independent. Meantime, with election day tomorrow, Hochul and Zeldin are basically tied. Zeldin today, he's campaigning in the Bronx, a grand concourse after another rider there was randomly attacked and stabbed in the neck. Hochul, guess where she is? She's at 72nd and Broadway. Nothing happened there. But, you know, she's obviously pandering to your old neighborhood there, uh, the Upper West Side, you know, elite, whatever type of people. And she's already got that vote. You know what's funny about Kathy Hochul? I got to mention this. I'm sorry to uh, stop in the middle of this. But, you know, I'm a Giants fan, and and I don't care about the Jets. I just don't. But I do follow it, and we talk about it on this show. So I like to be up on every game. And that was a very, very big game yesterday. And the Jets pulled off this major upset over the Buffalo Bills. And I wasn't excited that the Jets won, being I'm a Giant fan, 
but I was so excited that Kathy Hochul's Buffalo Bills lost. It made me happy all night because she doesn't shut the F up about the Buffalo Bills. So the Jets winning yesterday, that was a win for Zeldin and me because Kathy Hochul's Buffalo Bills actually lost. Yes, and I love the underdog. And Zeldin came in as the underdog, even though Hochul tries to say she was. So she's pulling out all the stops. She had Kamala Harris. She had Hillary Clinton campaigning. And then yesterday, she even brought in President Biden. He was at Sarah Lawrence College, which is in Bronxville. Sarah Lawrence is an ultra, ultra liberal college where the tuition there is, I don't even know, it's like, I, I got to check it. It's like double now than when, when I was going to school. It's like, I, I would say at least like $80,000. And yet with a liberal arts degree, your first job, you'll, you'll make like 40,000. So he, they're obviously pandering to their base and take a listen to what Joe Biden had to talk about. Not crime, not inflation, not about anything that actually matters to New Yorkers. Well, this is what he said to some radical climate protester who asked him about drilling for oil. Thank you. No more drilling. (laughs) Come on. There is no more drilling. Yeah, no more drilling. I haven't formed any new new drilling. Yeah, we know. At least he finally told the truth. He finally told the truth because they're trying to say it's the oil executives why we have such high gas prices. It was him with the Excel pipeline, the first executive order. That's why. And by the way, John Katzmatidis, he's been right all along. I'm not just saying this to kiss his butt because he's our boss, but he's now telling us, and listen, you won't hear this anywhere else but on WABC radio, that if Whitmer wins Michigan, that's the governor there, she's going up against Tudor Dixon. If she shuts down line five which is a, a oh, major boy. line yeah well, that's we're bad. going to yep. see nine dollar yep. a gallon yep. gas across the country no why doubt. is nobody talking about that no he's right and look biden lied because he did uh, on record again here we go again on record kathy hochel just a couple of weeks ago say that he's all for drilling here that why you know why do yep. we keep spending all this money yep. and then he came out and lied flat out yesterday before he uh, he made that no drill comment right afterwards i forget the order he said listen Gas right now is $3.19. That is great progress. There are two things wrong with what he said. First of all, the average price is not $3.19. It's $3.80. So he's off by a whopping 61 cents. And secondly, even if it was $3.19, which it's not, it's still $2 more than when Donald Trump left office. So he lied literally about 10 times yesterday. And John is right. If, in fact, Whitmer shuts down that pipeline in Michigan, we're dead. We are dead. And look at the media bias. Nobody is covering it. And the other story nobody's covering except for us here at WABC Radio. And, of course, the New York Post. I put it on my Twitter, this picture. A black woman being choked by a Zeldin reporter who's a white man. If the roles were reversed, do you tell me, oh, wouldn't this be the top story of every single newscast? In this picture, you see a white guy literally with his, he's choking out a black woman who's a Zeldin supporter. And this Zeldin supporter just showed up at the and she said because of her sign there, it wasn't even vulgar or anything, that she was getting attacked left and right. She even tussled with a city councilwoman. So once again, that's how fake news is perpetuated, that the media picks and chooses what stories they want to show the public. And so they can uh, fit their leftist narrative. But this report, again, is sponsored by the Seafire Grill. Visit the Seafire Grill in Midtown Manhattan for a romantic date night by their fireplace or for your next private event. It has excellent service. It's my favorite seafood choice in Manhattan, theseafiregrill.com.
on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd lead ya? Who'd have thought they'd lead ya? Little Brooklyn. We should go with No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys. Welcome back, Cotter. All about Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn boy, folks. I'm actually living very close to Brooklyn these days, right over the bridge, Flappish Avenue. Boom, I'm right there at Kings Plaza. Grew up on 2216 Quentin Road, right by Madison High School. My dad went to Lincoln. My mom went to Madison. My sisters went to Madison. My beautiful wife, Danielle, grew up on East 14th and N. We got married. We moved to Sheepshead Bay. Ina Vernikoff's uh, neighborhood there on East 8th and V. So I'm all about Brooklyn. I may have spent 16 years in Boca Raton. I lived in Tenafly, New Jersey, and way too much time in Manhattan. But I'm always going to be a Brooklyn boy. So when Dove and Inna contacted me Friday to come meet them in Marine Park, where I played basketball, mind you, every day for about 20 years, right there on Stewart Street, about 20 years I was all too willing to do it, even though it was the fourth quarter of the Jets and the Bills. I mean, you couldn't pick a worse time than 4 o'clock on a Sunday. You just don't do that. It's like getting married on a holiday. You don't hold events 4 o'clock on a football Sunday. But I couldn't say no to Dove Hykend, who's just a uh, great man. He really is. 35 years as an assemblyman in District 48 in Brooklyn, that Borough Park area. Founder of Americans Against Anti-Semitism. Just a terrific guy. And Inna Vernikov, who's a member of the New York City Council, 48th District, all my favorite neighborhoods, Brighton Beach, Gerritsen Beach, Gravesend, Manhattan Beach, Marine Park, Midwood, all those, Sheepshead Bay. So the two of them ran this rally in Marine Park for Lee Zeldin yesterday, and it was terrific. Very nice turnout Sunday afternoon, very nice, and I was proud to be a part of it. So with that said, here they are the day after, the day before Election Day, Dove Hykend and Inna Vernikov. Guys, thanks for coming on this morning. How are you? Well, thanks for having us, and uh, thanks for being there. Uh, You're always there when needed. You're amazing, and I appreciate it, and New York appreciates it. And look, we're down to, as they say, day of judgment. We're there. This is it. This is that opportunity to really change the course of New York. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, whatever else, independent, you cannot be happy with what you're seeing out there. The out-of-control crime, uh, what's happening in terms of budgets and, and people not being able to buy the things they need to buy for their family to put on the table. Uh, we need to make this change. And, you know, my message, uh, my wife and I are lifelong Democrats. We are still Democrats. And I'm speaking to Democrats out there saying, look, you don't have to change your party affiliation. You can vote for Tom DiNapoli, you know, for controller. He's a great guy. But you must, you must save New York State. And there's only one way to do it. And that is to vote for Lee Zeldin. Stay a Democrat. Don't change if that's how you feel. But you must vote for Zeldin. It's so clear by now that 
Kathy Hochul just doesn't get it. Yeah. Well, She's living in a different universe. Well, let me stop you for one second. Before I get to Inno, uh stop you for one second, though. But I think I asked you this a couple of weeks ago when you were here talking about anti-Semitism. Would you be making that same bold statement, Lee Zeldin, if you were still serving as a Democrat in Borough Park? Absolutely. I mean, there's no question. I mean, everybody who knows me knows that during my career uh, in the Assembly, that I would always vote for the person that I think was best, even though that is a criminal act in politics <laughs> to cross party. You know that. That's a criminal act. Uh, but I would always do that. I was never blind to anything, and no one should be. You know, sometimes the person from the other party is just superior, and you got to vote for that person, as we did with Rudy Giuliani in 1992 when David Dinkins was the mayor and things were out of control in New York. People yep. understood, and they voted for Giuliani. So, you know, I'm a Democrat. I choose to be a Democrat, but you've got to be crazy, crazy to continue yep. the, the chaos that is going on in New York with Kathy Hochul. She doesn't even get it. You know, I mean, this woman, Sid, she doesn't even understand now that I mean, she's insulting us, each and every one of us, by telling us that we are imagining the crime on the subway. We are imagining the crime in New York. So she's out of touch. She truly is out of touch. So everyone out there, don't miss this opportunity to make historic change in New York. In a Vernikov, unlike Dove Hyken, a Democrat, you're not. You're a Republican. And I'm under the impression, at least, you know, again, uh, living most of my life in Brooklyn, around that Marine Park area, not far, Midwood section, which you, of course, you served there, all those great sections, that it's pretty red anyway. What is, uh, what is your, your uh, district? Is it mostly red anyway? First of all, thank you both, Dove and Sid, for coming out yesterday. I hope you felt the incredible energy. We did. Um, you know, you, you, you came on and spoke, but before you did that, we had about 80 cars. I don't know if you saw the cars lined up, but yes. we had about 80 cars driving around all the neighborhoods, Marine Park, uh, Brighton Beach, Manhattan Beach. We were out in Midwood. It was incredible. And I hope you can feel the energy from the people in these districts. And, yes, it's mostly red. But we also have Democrats here, and I've also been campaigning for, for some, some months now. And I have to tell you that it's really not just Republicans. Kathy Hochul completely lost centrist Democrats. And that's why you see her campaigning with the Working Families Party, who is asking people to defund the police. Yep. And she's campaigning with my colleague, Tiffany Caban, we discussed on your show a couple of weeks ago. Tiffany Caban is walking around her neighborhood. Uh, telling people that if a perp attacks you, you have to spill a soda or ask them if they went to high school with you to distract them instead of calling the police. <laughs> These are the kind of people that Kathy Hochul is campaigning with. She needs the luck now. She's desperate. She is, and uh, you're right, that Tiffany Caban is something else. One more in a – I said this at the rally yesterday with you and Dove, and that is, you know, she also presents it, if you're a woman and you don't vote for her – then you basically hate women. Now, I'm a pro-choice guy, and I have a feeling neither one of you two are, but I am. I'm a pro-choice guy. But to me, this election is not about abortion because it's legal here anyway. And Lee Zeldin is on record saying a hundred times he's not going to change that. He's not going to ban that. Yet, Hochul time and time again basically says, if you're a woman and you don't vote for me, then you're no good. So she's talking to you, Inna. What do you think about that? I think the Democrats and Kathy Hochul are so out of touch, and I think that's why they're going to lose this election. Because they're talking about climate change, abortion.
abortion. They're talking about all kinds of issues that are completely not on people's minds today. People cannot, they're afraid to take the train. They're afraid to take their kids to school. Uh, abortion may be important to some people, but like you said, Rezeldin came out and said it straight. He has no ability to ban abortion in our state, and he doesn't plan to do so. Uh, so, but that's all they got, abortion, orange man bad. They spent millions of dollars on ads about abortion and orange man bad. If Lee Zeldin's an extremist, I like the ad that you guys play on the radio just when we were listening on host. That was amazing. You know, mm, Kathy yeah. Wolf was trying to scare you that Lee Zeldin is a very scary extremist. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lee Zeldin's a guy who lives in Sturdy on Long Island with two kids and his wife. It's ridiculous, and I don't think people are buying it. I think people are not stupid, and, and uh, I think we're we're really looking forward to a victory on Tuesday. In Avernikov on the 48th District New York City Council, again, some of my favorite neighborhoods in Brooklyn, Brighton Beach, and Gravesend, Marine Park, Midwood, and uh, Sheepshead Bay, and Dove Hiking, of course, 35 years, one of the great assemblymen really in the history of our city. Uh, Dove, I noticed a, a really nice turnout yesterday, too, in Marine Park from the uh, Jewish community, some real Orthodox Jews, at least conservatives, I should say. It was nice to see that. And you did talk yesterday about the anti-Semitism issue here in New York, which is growing by the day. And let's start with this. It ain't white supremacists, folks, committing those crimes. It's just not. But more importantly, uh, Lee Zeldin is a Jewish man. He doesn't really talk about that a lot, but he is. Uh, I think you're under the, the feeling, at least here, uh, Dove Hyken, that if he gets into office, those attacks may not stop, but they'll be less. Is that a fair assumption? There is no question about that, Sid. Absolutely. I mean, anti-Semitism is out of control in New York. The numbers tell the story. Uh, there are more acts of hate against the Jewish people month by month than all the other categories of protected people, you know, gays, black, Asians, every single month, more attacks on Jews than all the other groups. And, and did you see, by the way, just last Friday, David Muir started a show with this, that there was a uh, something that came from the FBI, which talked about synagogues in New Jersey. Of being under absolutely. terrorist threat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's no question. I mean, I I spent you know a good amount of time with Lee Zeldin uh, at my home talking about issues. If I wasn't convinced that Lee Zeldin was the answer for now, there. If I wasn't convinced that he will deal with the things that we are concerned about, that he will make a dent, that he will make a difference. First of all, he gets it. He understands. Hochul doesn't. Hochul doesn't talk about anti-Semitism. Hochul thinks everything is just fine. No problem. We're dreaming. Uh, you know, Sid, we're all dreaming. You know that. It's all okay. You can go back on the subway. You don't. You can send your kids on the subway. She doesn't get it. I'm telling you that Lee Zeldin is a mensch. He's such a decent guy. You don't have to agree with him on every single issue, but the fundamental issue, the fundamental responsibility of government is to protect its citizens. Number one, before you talk about anything else, government needs to protect its citizens. And I don't think anyone will accuse Kathy Hochul of performing that task, of protecting the citizens of New York, of making them feel. I mean, you know how bad it is for Kathy Hochul? When you have CNN and MSNBC challenging her publicly that she doesn't get it, she's living in a different universe. And a different planet. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just pathetic. Yeah. It is truly pathetic. 
her behavior and her lack of understanding how we all feel in New York, Democrats, Republicans, Independents. So I, I beg and plead with everyone out there, Democrats, talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors. It is about us being able to walk the streets, us being able to take the subways. And, and there are so many other issues. What about education? $29,000 for each student in public school. And you know what we get, you know, being in the legislature, you know, with Democrats, all we do, you know, the Democrats, more money for education. And guess what happens? The, the, you spend more money, $29,000, and you get worse results. Yeah, yeah. Now, we just did very poorly, our kids, fourth and eighth grade math specifically. And I've got a buddy, I've got two buddies, one who lives in, uh, in Breezy Point, who bought a place in Jacksonville, and he said to me, listen, if Lee Zeldin loses, I'm moving to Jacksonville. If he wins, I'll split my time between Breezy and the state of Florida. I've got another buddy, Tom, buddy, I should say. Tom, he lives in Marine Park, Brooklyn, your district there, you know. And he said to me, if Lee Zeldin loses, I'm out of here too. I hear that every day, even the great neighborhoods of Brooklyn where I grew up and you serve right now. Are you hearing that from some of your constituents that if, in fact, Lee Zeldin loses, it's time to leave? All the time. I heard that yesterday from the people who came out to the rally. A bunch of people already left. I mean, look, what is there to do in New York City if they're paying such high taxes to live here and they're paying those taxes to live in a safe, clean place? And that's not what this is right now. Uh, there's high inflation. People can't afford anything. Gas is too high. Uh, I mean, some people can't afford to buy groceries right now. It, there's nothing to do here. There's nothing left for the people here. Florida, Governor DeSantis has done a great job during COVID, and now uh, people are flocking to Florida. I, I think that's it. I think if, 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 if should it should be that Lee Zeldin loses, I think we'll see a lot of people just leaving. I mean, you heard people saying they already have tickets for Wednesday. <laughs> He's, so he's not going to lose. Let me make that clear. Yeah, he if says that, too. That is vote, not an option. He said losing is not an option. Not an option. Yeah. If, pe- if people go out and vote and yeah. get your friends out, I guarantee a great victory. With All right. There you, tomorrow there you hear it. Dove Hogan, uh, Dove Hogan doing his best. Brent Musburger, he guarantees a win. I will say this, uh, guys, on the way out, that debate a couple of weeks ago where she did, Kathy Hochul said to Lee Zeldin, why do you care so much about crime? I almost fell off my chair. I couldn't believe she said that. All he had to do, Lee, uh, guys, was say, Kathy, if things are so great here, if the economy is on the rebound, like you say it is, if, in fact, crime is our imagination, why do we lead the country in folks leaving our state on a daily basis? And I couldn't imagine she can give a good answer for that. But with that said, we're out of time here. Dove and Inna, you are two great Brooklyn people. I love you both. Dove, you've always been great to me. Inna, you too. And anytime you're out there, Dove, and you need some body protection, you know I'll be standing right next to you. Oh, you've been there for me. Oh, <laughs> God. I'm alive because of you. <laughs> you're the best. Both of you guys are great. Congratulations on a great rally yesterday. And uh, hopefully we'll all celebrate on Wednesday after Lee Zeldin win. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. In a Vernikoff, she's terrific, by the way, 48th District in Brooklyn, and the great Dove Hyken, 35 years as an assemblyman in Brooklyn, all those great years in Borough Park, and the two of them did a tremendous job. There really was a ton of cars at what point, at one point, I should say, from Floyd Bennett Field to Marine Park, over 80 cars. And then, of course, a ton of people, cars honking. It was a great Zeldin Esposito rally. So congratulations once again to Hyken. 
and Vernikov. Still lots more to come, the final hour, which includes one of the greatest voices in the history of sports, a Bernie and Sid favorite, the voice of the Masters, the Super Bowl, the college basketball final, the golden voice of CBS, Jim Nance, set to join me at 940. We'll come right back right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. on MSNBC, one of our TVs here, and it says, Morning Joe 15, like a baseball jersey. And I have no idea what that 15 stands for, but believe it or not, Lewis, 15 years since Joe and Mika have been doing the morning show there. We did the morning show for many years, I miss, at MSNBC. We actually got big ratings. These two get nothing. But uh, 15 years, and they're discussing tomorrow's election with a special guest, and you would think maybe it's, I don't know, George Bush or Newt Gingrich or... No, no. Who are they discussing Election Day with right now on Morning Joe? Andy Cohen. <laughs> Listen, I watch the Bravo Channel all the time. I even said this morning, already this morning, I watched the Real Housewives of the Potomac last night. I watch them all, New Jersey, Atlanta, you name it. I'm an Andy Cohen fan. But why he'd be discussing politics on MSNBC, I, and I know he's a big liberal, big liberal, Gay, by the way, too. But um, day before Election Day, you should be talking to the, the big-time pundits. You're the morning show on MSNBC, and they're talking to Andy Cohen. Can you explain that one? Um, but I like Andy. Don't get me wrong. Frankie Diaz. Now, now New York won, which is complete garbage with that racist Errol Lewis. They've got Lee Zeldin, our buddy Pat Kiernan. You know what's funny? All three of those people, Joe and Mika and Pat Kiernan, all worked here. At some point, all worked at WABC, all of them. And now they've got morning shows that nobody watches. I mean, nobody. The difference between me and these people are, I get ratings. <laughs> but that's what they've got right now. Joe and Mika talking to Mr. Bravo Channel, Andy Cohen, and New York One replaying for the third time already this morning, Pat Kiernan's one-on-one with uh, Lee Zeldin. And CNN, I don't know what the hell, I, I don't know. They had they actually had Mike Lawler on this morning, Republican running against Sean Patrick Maloney. And I've told you this a couple of times this morning. Somebody asked the Democrat, Sean Patrick Maloney, yesterday about inflation. And he said, people who are bitching about inflation, go buy some Chef Boyardee, basically, and shut up. I swear to God. And you Democrats in New York, you're going to vote for this guy. Go buy some Chef Boyardee and shut up. Come on. How can you possibly say that and even, win? Even in college, I wouldn't go Chef Boyardee. Oh, I love Chef Boyardee. Oh, come on. Let me tell you a story. Oh, good. I was hoping hoping a story was coming. <laughs> so let me get the part so- <laughs> Hang on. So when I was a kid, I loved Chef Boyardee ravioli. And my mom, Naomi, who you people love, I can't go anywhere without Naomi. It used to be Bernie, God rest his soul. Now it's my mother. Everybody loves Naomi. When I was a kid, I loved ravioli. So I ran once for a president of my student body at my high school. I left poly prep because my parents said too many Italians, and they wanted me to have some Jewish friends. 
So they sent me to Yeshiva, Solomon Schechter Yeshiva, Church Avenue and East 5th in Brooklyn, right by the Prospect Expressway. And all my friends went from being Italian to Jewish, and as I told you, there were bigger degenerates at the Yeshiva than at Poly Prep, and it was close, trust me. So I loved the, um, the shepherd, the ravioli, and I was running for president, and so my mom would always put my lunch in a thermos. But, of course, Chef Boyardee isn't kosher, so it became an issue when I brought ravioli to Solomon Schechter, and all my friends were jealous because they had like, these really boring Jewish lunches, you know. And I had ravioli. <laughs> and it became kind of a joke that Sid Rosenberg comes to school, his mom puts his ravioli, his Chef Boyardee ravioli, in a thermos. And it just so happens, Lou and Phil, that the thermos that my mother put it in was black and red. That was the color of the thermos, red and black. And so when I ran for president, I adopted this slogan, which I wrote myself. Even back then, I was a genius. If you want a president who will be the firmest, just vote for the guy with the red and black thermos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You lost in the landslide, let's be real. I won big. And my first move was, and it was a great move, all the money that we got, uh, we collected money for the yearbooks that year. All the money we got for the yearbooks, I met with my council, and we took that money and bought drugs for our senior trip. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Yeah, true politician. Yeah. Great, right? Uh, so Thir- I call. I call him. Thermos. It's close. It's it's not exactly. I know. Yeah. I'm just making sure I got the phrase right. In my T-shirt. <laughs> so I called Naomi on Saturday because she she was in the hospital last week. I didn't even know about it. My sisters have this thing. They don't tell me. They're like Sydney's on the radio. He's got so much going on. Ava's in college. Gabriel, Danielle, blah blah blah. Let's not tell him any bad news. You know. So she's in the hospital for a full week, and I don't find out about it till she's home. So I call her on Saturday, and she's going crazy about Zeldin, you know. And I say, Mom, you can come on on Wednesday, and it's going to go one of two ways. You're either going to be like, Zeldin won. I'm so happy I can stay here. Or it's going to be, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. I can't stay here anymore. I can't do it. One of those two things are going to happen. This creature in the White House. She's like so invested in this you wouldn't believe. She wasn't out of the hospital two hours. And she was yelling about Lee Zeldin, my mother. So she, um, basically the whole conversation was about that. I mean, she asked about my kids, obviously, and she talked to Gabe and Danielle. But she is all fired up, Naomi. She voted already in Kanyanga Lake, up there with uh, Susan Brown Otto. And uh, she is uh, praying for a Lee Zeldin win, as we all are, by the way. So Donald Trump was at it this weekend. He was out there stumping for Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania on Saturday afternoon. Then a big rally in Miami on Saturday night, all kinds of folks showing up there, his son Don Jr., Matt Gates, and a host of others. But he did talk about John Fetterman Saturday afternoon in Pennsylvania, and he wasn't very kind, obviously. You want to hear some of this, Trump, talking about Fetterman in Pennsylvania? Play, uh, play Trump one. He said uh, basically he's, no, he's not, basically he said he's unhinged. This is Trump number one. By far the most extreme and unhinged left-wing politician ever to run for office in Pennsylvania, and maybe in the country, by his own admission, John Fetterman, 
wants to release one-third of Pennsylvania's prison population in the midst of a crime wave. You have a crime wave here. And he wants to release one-third, but it would be much more than that in his ideal dream. And he wants to abolish cash bail. No cash bail, no nothing. Fetterman said that if he had one wish, he would wish to end life sentences without parole for convicted murderers and rapists. He publicly bragged that his goal is to get as many criminals out of jail as he possibly can. These are killers. These are killers and drug lords. These are rapists at the highest level, the most vicious rapists in the world. He wants them to get out. While he was in Pennsylvania, he also found time, Donald Trump, knowing he was on his way to Miami to take out Ron DeSantis. Don't forget, DeSantis had to beat a guy. He beat a guy named Gillum, a uh, guy with a, a, a massive drug problem who was found not long after his DeSantis loss at a motel in Florida with a gay guy and a bunch of methamphetamine. But DeSantis got the win because of Donald Trump. Nobody knew who Ron DeSantis was. It was Donald Trump who literally introduced DeSantis to the world and got him the win. That was a long time ago. Now it ain't like that no more. Now nobody appreciates anybody. Now it's me versus you. So on his way to Miami while still in Pennsylvania, Donald Trump found a way to um, to mention Ron DeSantis, and it wasn't in the nicest terms. It's on, bitch. Trump and DeSantis, here we go. This is Trump, cut number three. We're winning big, big, big in the Republican Party for the nomination like nobody's ever seen before. Let's see, there it is, Trump at 71, Ron DeSanctimonious at 10%, Mike Pence at 7. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. Liz Cheney, there's no way she's at 4%. There's no way. There's no way. But we're at 71 to 10 to 7 to 4. Ted Cruz is doing a good job, by the way. He didn't like me for a while, but we got to be friends, right? Going to put him on the Supreme Court. If I put him on the Supreme Court, you know the nicest thing with Ted? Because he's a you know, tough cookie and he's controversial. If I put him on the Supreme Court, I would have had 100% of the people in the Senate voting in favor to move him out, okay? Even the Democrats would have voted for him, okay? But he's great and he's smart and he's good. That was Trump in Pennsylvania. So the Energizer Bunny moves on to Florida by the same day. I mean, say what you want about Donald Trump. I think I saw Lou rolling his eyes. That's fine. Say what you want about the guy. The guy is a bundle of energy. He ain't going to fall up the stairs. He's not going to choke on his own oatmeal. He's certainly not going to allow Putin or, or any of these folks around the world to intimidate him. Don't forget, Biden fell again with Hochul this weekend in New York and then lied to everybody about gas prices. And now he's talking about stopping drilling again. He's a complete mess. One of the real funny things that Donald Trump did down in Miami this weekend was play a montage. Even Lou laughed at this back in the 6 o'clock hour. Was play a montage. Oh, yes, because I know who he's making fun of. <laughs> it's so funny. Of course it's funny. This is a, well, a great job here by Donald Trump. The montage of Joe Biden's miscues, if you will. This would be a cut number four. Cut number four. Play this. This is Donald Trump in Miami. This one goes out to the president. Joe Biden. You know, we have a clip. I bought these beautiful, beautiful boards. We have a clip. Just take a look at the screen right up here. How would you say your mental focus is? It's focused. (laughs) I I think it's, I I haven't, look. 
Let's get ready to bumble. <laughs> I think it's a right for people that bad at health care. What? True international average of pressure. <laughs> Gosh, I can't believe I said that. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was put him. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. Wait, 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 wait. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. If it holds near and dear to you that you like to be able. Come on. <laughs> we went for two reasons. One, yeah. two. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, yeah. I've had a couple. Oh, I <laughs> Eric Adams checking in. The nature. Not representative uh, Jackie. Are you here? No, she's Jackie. dead. No, she's dead. She sure won't be there. Sure she's dead. Be here. Yeah. Um, uh, um, <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, yeah. Come yeah. I got hairy legs that turn. That 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 that. Thank you for tolerance and listening to me. I appreciate very much. What? That's terrible. See, that would be funny if it wasn't the president of the United States. So, of course, right after that, Donald Trump has to put it in its historical perspective, where Joe Biden belongs in the long list of presidents. And, of course, as you could imagine, at the very bottom, this is Donald Trump number six. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together, and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done to our nation in less than... Two short years. Think of it. We're talking about less than two years. Less than two years. What he has done to this country is unimaginable. All right. That was good stuff out of Donald Trump in both Pennsylvania and Miami. Talking to Rich Lowry back at 740 this morning. He thinks Donald Trump right now will be the Republican nominee. At least right now. We're a long way from that. We get it. we got to worry about tomorrow when Lee Zeldin first. But he does think... Trump right now is the man, and get ready for Donald Trump to make the announcement that he's actually running for president exactly one week from today. That announcement will come from Donald Trump one week from today, November the 14th. That seems to be the whispers around town. Trump will officially announce he's running again for president one week from today, November the 14th. But again, we've got work to do tomorrow. Lee Zeldin at the very top of the ticket, and then everybody else. Tina Forte, Michael Henry, Mike Lawler, the Esposito, Nicole Maliotakis, Tom Sullivan. The list goes on and on. We need to win and vote Republican up and down that ticket and make sure you do it all day long coming up tomorrow. Still to come later on in this show, the velvet voice of CBS Sports. Dear friend of mine, Bernie loved him too. He did the Rams-Buccaneers game yesterday, but you've heard him do the Masters every year. College basketball final game and many Super Bowls. The great Jim Nance still to come today. Keep it right here, Sid, on a Monday. We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I've got another confession to 
<laughs> it's got a funny message to Google Dolls here. I have zero interest in Megyn Kelly. I think you're a little out of touch with your audience. Oh, is that right? Amazingly, uh, number one in New York for a long time now in this uh, job. And basically picking the guest from day one, the day I arrived here with Bernard. But that's okay. I'm out of touch. You're right. Kelly Ripper, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Megan Kelly, just not interesting people to justify. Not interesting people, according to this lady, who, by the way, is about as interesting as a fart in a windstorm. Those are interesting people, every one of them. May not like them. Oh, they're interesting. You, lady, you're not. Springsteen has said the most offensive and disgusting things about New Jersey. F him. And she said, GB News, here I come. What is GB News? Green Bay? <laughs> Whatever. My God, get out of my life. Please, I'm begging you. He's polarizing, man. That's what it, what's happened with him now. Oh, Bruce? Yes. I don't care. I know you don't He's an care. idiot. He's, I know he is. He says, you know, the things he said to the cops is horrible. 41 shots is a, is a terrible uh, anti-police song. I know that. And uh, born in the USA, he hates America. I know all these things. I like his music. I'm, what do you want me to tell you? I'm going to lie to you? I, I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I'm you're right just, with me. I, yeah, I'm with. I'm not going to get rid of everybody I've ever watched or listened to. Right, because, because they, they've done what yes. said stupid. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to beat up Madonna when she did what she did. So did day. I. Yeah. I mean, when she I, said, I want to blow up blow the White up House. The White House, that's a yeah. criminal offense. But I have to tell you that when I saw her perform. At the Nassau Coliseum, the the uh, the, the Virgin tour, uh, that that was uh, spank bank material for about five years. <laughs> okay. God, I couldn't care what she wants to blow up. These people are losers. You don't understand. I'm the guy out there. I'm the guy they call. Lee Zeldin, all these Republican candidates. I'm the guy at all these rallies. I'm the guy in Marine Park yesterday. Not you. But uh, you know, I have a life. But where's the line, though? That's what. People want to know where's what is it for me? Well, I'm not for anybody. You can see where people. Uh, but I don't. Lie. You don't, don't understand. Like I don't like Charlie. Charlie, we don't just text me. I don't care whether you like these. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not doing my show based upon what some of my friends and or callers like or dislike. I'm just not. I never did. I never did. And if they're criticizing you, they're already listening. And I never. And even with Bernie, Bernie would be upset once in a while. I didn't care. And and by the way, he, he got upset for about three seconds. Three seconds. So I just, I just, you know, come on. Uh, for example, I get this. Right after this dopey lady sends me that, I get this. From the Metropolitan Republican Club in New York City. We are very excited to announce that this year's Warren Brandeis Award for Journalistic Integrity will go to Sidney Rosenberg, host of Bernie and Sid in the Morning. The award will be, rep- will be presented at this year's Metropolitan Republic, uh, Republican Club Gala next Monday. So you got one lady complaining because I got Megyn Kelly on tomorrow and I like Bruce Springsteen. And yet, a week from tonight, I'm going to receive my second, not my first, my second award for journalistic integrity this year at a very popular Republican club. So what that says is that lady, blow me. Yeah, that's kind of a decent response. Good. Yeah. Blow me. It's not. It's a little immature, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you just, you got to go at you easy. You can't just, like, you're doing the wrong thing. Right, you can't do that. No, because that's not going to It's not going to work, well. right. No, it doesn't well. I, I never say that to you. But you never think that, do you? That, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I never think I, I'm doing the wrong thing, do you? I don't do you? know why I hesitated. No, yeah. you're, you're never doing the wrong thing. No. Yeah. 
No, but if you're nice about it, like like Charlie, for example, just said congratulations for after he said all these horrible things about Springsteen. He's funny, actually. He's a good friend of mine. He's just being funny. But if you come at me and say, listen, Sid, I love you, and the show's great, and whatever, I miss Bernie and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of these people. And even if he said to me, I shut it off. When you bring on these people, I have to be honest, Sidney, I love you, but I change the channel and I come right back afterwards. Then we could have a discussion. But once you start to tell me how to host my show, which is doing phenomenally well, at that point you become, you're done, you're, you're dead to me. You're finished. <laughs> it's over. I'll block you or I'll just, you know, I won't read your stuff and you mean nothing to me. Like that stupid website that Keith Smolman had all those years. The one that they changed the name Oh, that's just changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they just changed it, and the and the, the people in there were blaming me. And there's a guy that goes in there every day, no matter what people post, and he goes, well, how come it's called the Sid Rosenberg page now? What happened to Bernie's name? And it's like, bro, Bernie's dead. I mean, have you not heard? Have, did you not hear me crying basically every day for like 11 months? 11 months? I'm doing the show right now for the Bernard McGurk studio. I'm going to do two or three events this year with his children in the name of Bernard, but he's not here anymore. And by the way, wasn't even on this show for two or three months before he tragically passed away. So his name's not going to be on the fan page. His name's not going to be part of the show title anymore. It's just not going to happen. doesn't mean we don't love him. We don't miss him. We name the damn studio after him. But these are troublemakers. You see what that is? That's a troublemaker. That's a guy that doesn't like me. And so instead of saying... I got to tell you, I don't like Sid, so I'm leaving the group. Why is Bernie's name off? He's dead. That's why, stupid. Just, just want to stir it up. Yeah. They just, they're just trouble me. They got nothing else to do. I mean, God, you know, God forbid they have a hobby. Do something. <laughs> just do something and say you got to tweet all day and Facebook all day. And, then, and, you know, and I don't read all of it, but I read too much of it. I, I admit that. Is that Nance on uh, line one right now? Who is that? Are you talking to me? Yes. Who was oh. the number on the – who's on the guest uh, line? Someone's recording an interview, and they're using our, our phone line. Who's doing that? <laughs> Have uh, fun, Phil. Uh, 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 I didn't get permission to do that. Who's doing that? Well, I didn't give permission either. No one got permission. There's no permission to be done. No. Someone Clearly, someone gave – all right, Sid. Not everything needs to be cleared through you. That's not how this works. How do you feel about Megyn Kelly coming on tomorrow? Somebody's very upset. Who is very upset? I don't know, some dopey lady. Someone's going to always be upset about something. Of course. That's what the great thing about it. That's, what the, that's where the fun is. So, yeah. <laughs> that's where the, yeah, yeah, honestly, that's fun to you fun. guys. Someone's yeah. always going to be upset fun. no matter who you have. Fun. You'd have Jesus Christ on the show as he resurrected, and oh, people would be like, I, I don't this want is... that. No. Oh, see? Nope. Lou doesn't want it. I'm not. <laughs> Who's going to have an issue with it? <laughs> no. I don't like his music. I don't like what he stands for. I don't like it. No. Yeah. He had dinner one night with Kelly Ripper. Okay, I'll allow it this time. But. <laughs> okay, he's good. He cleared it. But don't, don't you think that at some point when these people, for example, sit down and they're by themselves and they really think about what no. makes what they say, that they don't feel like idiots? Like, no. You don't, no. No, they no, don't. They huh? don't. No, they don't. No. No. Do you go home after what you've said today? And yes. Go, sometimes. I, yes. Y- y- really? I'll be on the ferry sometimes, and, and I'll be thinking. I shouldn't know, have said that? You've no, said- I never say that. Okay. No, I'm not going to apologize for anything I say. But I will sit on the ferry and say to myself, maybe I should have said that differently. Or maybe it didn't come out exactly <laughs> the way. Kind of like Springsteen does after a concert. Oh, there's a Springsteen message. He doesn't stop with the goddamn Springsteen message. Stop with Bruce Springsteen already. Like, how would you have said, blow me differently? <laughs> right, like, right. Maybe I should, right, exactly. Right. Or, or not at all. Or not at right. all. <laughs> <laughs> pump the brakes. Pump them, right. pump them. Yeah. Just, just an option. Every time. Yeah. I'm going to you.
There you go. Here's all your stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> you're, you're all yeah. Here's all your stuff that you're throwing across <laughs> the street. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Jim Nance is uh, coming up next. Uh, also, traffic and sports. And some more Bruce. <laughs> some more Bruce. We'll play him out. Oh, let me tell you something. We've got two more stop sets left. We're playing Bruce in both of them. Uh, of course. I know, you're, yeah. like, you're such a kid. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you're so spiteful. I'm going to put Bruce on my cell phone. You're so spiteful. Uh, in fact, I got news for you. The name of the show is now Sid and Bruce Springsteen. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> the Sid and Bruce Springsteen fan page. Oh, they, legally, I don't think we could do that. I yeah. really want you to start the show tomorrow morning with that. I am. Okay. I am. Live from the Bernie McGurk Studios, it's the Sid and Bruce Springsteen show, and you're going to play 10th Avenue Freeze out 15 times a day. I can't wait for that. Fair yeah, we had, uh, we had John Katz uh, buy the whole catalog from Sony. <laughs> <laughs> you can afford it. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. <laughs> football and again I got home from that Zeldin rally in Brooklyn but after the Jets beat the Bills I still can't believe that and the Vikings get their seventh win just in time to watch Arizona Seattle and more importantly the Buccaneers and the Rams and Buccaneers and Rams game had the number one team CBS Jim Nance and Tony Romo Jim Nance has been a dear friend of mine for many 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 years I don't see him as much I talked to him as much since he moved to Pebble Beach and He's always busy doing something, college basketball, the NFL, and, of course, golf. He's the voice of the Masters. He's been so kind to me over the years. I remember my dad first got sick over a decade ago, and I called him at 3 o'clock in the morning. True story, 3 o'clock in the morning, and Jimmy picked up the phone. And I started to cry. I said, Jimmy, I'm scared to death my father's going to die because he had lost his father, I believe, to Alzheimer's. Wrote a book about it. It was beautiful. And he talked to me at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's the type of relationship we had. And then, of course, Bernie was also friendly with Jim. All those great golf tournaments with Don Imus. And Jim would come and do the play-by-play with me and Bernard. And just had a great relationship over the years. And Bernie passed away. And I wanted everybody who he liked and if they liked him to come on. And uh, as Vanessa Williams once said, I saved the best for last. Here he is, the velvet voice, the voice of CBS Sports, my dear friend, the great Jim Nance. Jim, good morning, pal. How are you? I got to tell you, it's so nice to just be on with you and hear your voice. You're a wonderful oh, friend. Thank you. And I um, yeah, I miss you. I miss you a ton. And we'll make up for some lost time one of these days. But I'm still having a hard time getting my mind around the fact that Bernie's gone. It just doesn't make sense to me. And um, I just my heart goes out to his family. Shared a lot of fun times through the years, mm-hmm. uh, many, many times. Charity events, golf events. You know, appearances on the radio with him, and he had uh, incredible sense of humor, as you know, and always kind of delivered with that deadpan, expressionless look. But that was a quick mind, a very quick mind, and and sadly, it was a it was a very short life. I mean, and all things considered, it was just way too soon. Way too way uh, well said, I should said, uh, Jim Nance. And by the way, my condolences to you too, because I know you lost your mom. Uh, very recently, so while you're saying such nice things about Bernard, let me send my condolences to you over the loss of your mom. I'm very sorry. Well, 
thank you. It's been a month, and it all happened right around the same time that Bernie passed away. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a 63 year old mama's boy. That's all I can tell you. I'm wow having a hard time with it, and and I miss her so much. And I have two or three times a day where I think I'm going to pick up the phone and call her. It just kind of comes to mind, and then you have that cold reality that you can't call her. So I'm um, kind of going through that stage right now, and I know straight ahead there are going to be a lot of things in my life that are going to feel so much differently. Mm. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Mother's Day, I mean, mm. I've got to go through that cycle, but it's still mm. very fresh, that's for sure. Yeah, and I said, wow, because 63 was basically Bernie's age. He was 64, so you guys about the same age. Yeah. And, and uh, again, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. And you'll get through those days. You, you know, you've lost your dad like I have, and you've gone through those days as well. But I say this all the time, Jim Nance, when – if God is, is good enough to you to live a long life, unfortunately, you will lose people along the way. And it's never easy, but that's the deal you make. If you live long enough, you're going to see a lot of loved ones go away. So true. You deal with it. You deal with it. Uh, this just makes sense. This is pure math. With each each year, you you have more instances where you're grieving for those that you knew, friendships, some very close, some just acquaintances, family members, et cetera. This, it, it is it's part of life and how you deal with it. I mean, there are all kinds of books that are out there that uh, I think are very helpful to a lot of people. I've been reading a book that's been around for a long time called A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. Mm-hmm. As it's written by Jerry Sitzer. It's a 25-year, you know, kind of a go-to book for people. And yeah, I mean, it's just some things that put some things in perspective. But they are right. It's uh, it's uh, it, it it just it mounts. It does. It does. He is the uh, the great voice of CBS Sports, whether it's the Masters or, or the college basketball final game or the Super Bowl. Yesterday with Tony Romo, the Rams and the Buccaneers. My dear friend Jim Nance. On a lighter note uh, than uh, your mom, God rest her soul, or Bernard, God rest his soul. That Brady game yesterday, I mean, you just, I'm not going to say you had to know because there were no timeouts. He still had to go 60 yards. But I will say this. Once he completed that first pass for nearly 30 yards on that last possession, at that point, I knew he was going to win the game. <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> I did, too. He found the rookie, Kata Otten, in a seam down the middle. And, of course, ran up and spiked the football. But when they got basically half of it on the first play, it was now a matter of, okay, how, how are they going to strike here? How are they going to get into the end zone? Because <laughs> right. he's going to figure out a way. And I was surprised, really, that here you have this Rams defense that had dominated him through the whole game with Aaron Donald. And Jalen Ramsey, of course, gets so many accolades as one of the great cover guys in the league. But that's just – they backed off so much. They gave up so much space throughout the game. There was, there was 10 yards off, off the – off the receivers, these corners were giving them all kind of space. And at the end, it's just like, yeah, go ahead. Take another eight yards. Take another <laughs> 10 yards. Go yeah. ahead. So you get down to the one-yard line and let Brady do his thing one more time. I mean, it's just we we weren't sure how many more times we were going to see Tom pull off some of the old magic. But Mr. Clutch did it again yesterday, and the whole nation got to see it. And to be honest, he should have done it the possession before because his wide receiver dropped a pass in the back of the end zone behind Ramsey again, right in his hands, hit him in the helmet, obviously. But that should have been a touchdown, too, on the possession before, which they eventually turned the ball over in downs. And then the Rams get ultra-conservative, and, and uh, Cooper uh, actually lays down before he gets the first down. But Brady had the game-winning touchdown pass, even the possession before that, but his guys dropped a lot of footballs yesterday. Uh, so I do a lot of shows here, Jim, with Andrew Giuliani. He's become a very good friend of mine, Rudy's son. And uh, he went to Duke on a golf scholarship. 
And I know uh, that. You know that. And he did the show with me on Friday, and he said, I can't believe you got Nance coming on Monday. I go, me and Jimmy are good buddies. What do you mean? He goes, you got to ask him. I know it's on record already. It's not new news. It's old news. But he's listening right now about the whole live deal and what that's meant to the PGA. So as the voice of the Masters, you're obligated to tell my audience how you feel about that whole live deal going up against the PGA. <laughs> Well, it's still evolving, really, Sid. It's, um, you know, they've just finished their first year. There weren't a lot of people that were watching. They don't have a television deal. They're only on YouTube and whatever their website is. So they had a $50 million tournament down at Doral, a team event, to close out their year, and they had a constant audience of 25,000 people. So they're going to have to figure out a way to grow that. Um, you know, there are a lot of calls out in the world of golf for people to get these uh, – two entities together and figure out some sort of peaceful resolution where they both can coexist because you're seeing now siphoning off of a lot of good players. Uh, they're going to the live series now for their lives, by the way, they don't, they don't play again until February. So they've got a very long break coming up. Um, but you know, golf is in such a, a good time. It, it grew during the pandemic. More people started playing. It's just a, a shame that it, it feels like the game is so splintered at the moment. But, uh, I know I knew Andrew way back when, before he went to Duke, and you know, a terrific player, and played with his dad a few times back in the day when uh, Rudy was the mayor, uh, including at some of the IMAS events. So there you go. How about that, so, Jim Nance and the Giuliani's yeah, go? go yeah, they go. I will. I will. I'm, I'm going to play this tomorrow for him. He's co-hosting with me on election day. He's going to get a big thrill out of hearing Jim Nance talk about him. That's a big deal, Jimmy. Hey, and by the way, Tiger. What is the future, uh, in your opinion, Tiger Woods? I'm not going to ask if he's going to win another major. God, that's an old, boring question. What is the future for Tiger Woods in golf? Well, he's taken on now kind of the elder statesman role here as the live thing has uh, has come to life. And he's had some very strong statements against, uh, you know, this 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 uh, this new golf tour. And, um, you know, he doesn't believe in it, but... Health-wise, it's just we saw him try to compete this year and for him to play four rounds and be able to walk it with uh, his injured leg and all, it's very difficult. Like you said, you never want to rule him out, but it's it's looking more and more like his days as a top-line competitor have probably left us. And, uh, I mean, what a magnificent career. Uh, I just spent some time with Tiger this year uh, down, down in Jupiter, and uh, he's in a great place as a dad as a guy that's now embracing the role that others through the years have said, I, I want to stand up for the game. I want to be a spokesman. And uh, I admire what he's done in this phase of his life, winning the Masters in 2019 when everybody thought it was over. One of the great events of my career was to, to be there to call that comeback victory. Oh. So <laughs> you, Tiger's not just going to disappear. I think he's, he's going to always have a voice in the game. I just hope that physically he can have a presence as well and still play a few times. And maybe who knows by some miracle, maybe he can get back to competing again. I know one thing he's, he's working out right now. Yeah. Pretty much bank it yep. from seven to 11 every day. There's four hours <laughs> yep. of intense training in his gym at his home. And uh, I've never seen anybody that goes after it harder. 60 seconds to go. One of your more famous moments on the IMA show with me, Bernie and the whole crew was years ago. You said before the start of the season, 
the Buccaneers were going to play the Raiders in the Super Bowl. And my God, Jim Nance, you were right. You were right. You nailed it. Bless you. I'll never forget it. Oh, that was great, Jim. So right now, it looks. Well, one of my favorite things, okay, and I'll make it quick, was I was in Kenny Bunkport visiting the great man, the 41st president, President Bush Sr., and I called into the IMA show, and you were on the set that day. And you were in that at that stage you had just come off of where you had that fight that you staged against Bernie <laughs> yeah. and the president was so into not only being on with with Don but your match yep and yep. he always had a ton of questions like what's Sid like <laughs> what's Bernie like yeah what's yeah. Charles like yeah. and he, he man he was fully aware of who you were and he got such a kick out of you well, guys. I got to meet him watching off the simulcast every morning I, on MSNBC I, I got to meet him when he came in for the Republican National Convention for his son in 2004 and he met me at the FAN studios in Queens, Jim, and gave me a pair of his green presidential couplings. How about that? Oh, that, that is love. Yes. What a man. Yes, he was what a great man. man. Uh, yeah. yeah. I loved him. Great man. This month is uh, is the anniversary, the five-year anniversary of him passing. He died on November oh. 30th. Uh, mm. And, um, yeah, I missed the heck out of him, that's for sure. He was a great guy. So Eagles, Chiefs, or is that too easy? Eagles, Chiefs. I, I still think yeah, – no, listen, great win by the Jets. Unbelievable to see what they're doing turning this thing around. But I still right now – I got Bill's Chiefs as a toss-up. Eagles, I saw them a week ago. They're legit. So I think you got three teams. Uh, obviously, AFC's got to sort itself out. But I, I think it's Philly against one of those two. Uh, listen, it's uh, great to hear your voice again. Thank you for the beautiful words about Bernard. Sorry again about your mother. You've always been from the time you let me a pair of socks – 25 years ago in San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> You're exactly right. At the beginning the 98 of my... final four, you came up to my hotel room. Yep. You and, and Scott, and uh, yeah, I gave you a pair of socks. That's a true yeah, story. 25 I... years ago this morning. Yes, and you had no idea I who I you, was. Sid. You're a great friend, pal. Thank you. Now, next time I come in here, I haven't done a game there in forever. I'm calling you. Oh, I'd appreciate that so much. I love you, Jim Nance. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. The great Jim Nance. That's a true story. I just started in the business. I was a nobody. I brought a green suit to Texas for the Final Four. I had no dress socks. I said, hey, Nance. Hey, Nance. You got an extra pair of socks? And he came down the elevator with Phil Raftery that year and gave me his own socks. 25 years ago, Jim Nance. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.